NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called... Um, Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. It's taken like a whip lead. Um, a bit of advice. Yeah. Sort of I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the great cricketer podcast, episode 150. 150 of these bad boys. What's your greatest memory? Don't know. Don't remember a single thing I said. On this show, though. New Zealand dust Australia in that T20I series, that all-important T20I series. India dust up England in that all-important test series. The Sheffield Shields on it's International Women's Day. Jimmy Neesham is on the show. Best friend? No, he's, not, he's only been on it twice. This will be his second time. But Jimmy Neesham is on the show, as is Gideon Hay, who would be on for his third time, I want to say. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. You can use the code CHAMP for free shipping at budgiesmuggler.com.au if that is your preference. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined by Sam Perry. Pessy lad, happy 150 to you. We're into daddy territory. Fucking start again. You start again. I don't care that I got out for a third baller, bowled from a full toss. I will tell you how to run this innings, and you start again on 150, all right? Did you see the footage the other day of that, uh, like, all-in brawl in Victorian subbies cricket? Jesus Christ, man. It was grim. It was grim. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's not really to be trivialised. Some bad shit happening with behaviour. But I just mm. wonder if once it did all clear up, someone did yell out, start again. <laughs> you just wonder. Double up! <laughs> Don't even know what that would mean in that context. Happy 150 to you too, he goes. Cheers. Cheers. Um, now, Pez, there was an article this week uh, from USA Cricket Chairman, not to be confused with the chief executive, whose name is actually Ian Higgins. What? Do you know that? The chief executive of USA Cricket's Ian Higgins? I didn't know that. That's a little side hustle I'd do. Now, the USA Cricket Chairman, Parag Marath, I want to say his name. Yeah, sounds good. Believes the United States has the potential to become a global force in the game despite its current humble status or status. The US wants to become a full member of the ICC by 2030 and is hoping to launch the major, uh, the major League Cricket 2020 competition next year in 2022. So it gets me to thinking, Yeah. what are your top three? Just say three, or top couple, whatever. Yeah, I won't say three. Away tours that you'd want to go for international matches. Where do you want to go to watch some cricket? Okay. And see Australia Mate, it's a great. it's a great question. You posed it last night, and it got me thinking. That's obviously the – that's that's the aim. Yeah. 
Well, first thing I think is what sort of what sort of pictures are the USA producing? As mm. in, what's the nature, the behaviour, the character of the soil? Yeah, that's right. In the United States, yeah, a lot of desert in yep. the USA. Mm-hmm. Is it fast? Is mm. it fast and bouncy? It's a broad landscape, so they, you can't like New York and LA, different sides of the fucking country. Yeah. So they can't be the same. But we stereotype everything. Yeah. I mean, you could say that about Australia. I reckon New got, York's flat. Oh, just fucking road. Yeah, well, road. They score runs. Concrete jungle, bitch. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure. But it's a great question. And I guess my first question back to you is like, well, to to support or to play, you know, to go as a fan or as a player. Because when I think about players, yeah. you know, you've got your <laughs> obvious ones that would be tough to us, tough place to win. Yeah. You know. Like? Beijing, Shenzhen. 100%. Guangzhou. Yeah, Guangzhou. Yeah, in China. Tough place to go. Germany, that, Dresden, Bremen, yeah. Munich, mm-hmm. Russia, Moscow, St. Petersburg, yeah, Volgograd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then as a fan, I'm thinking, well, if I had my choice, uh-huh. where to go on an away, great, great tours. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I could holiday in Italy for the rest of my life. So <laughs> Positano is yeah. a good test. Fuck, that'd be good, yeah. Lake Como is a good test. Oh, where's the third test? Lake Como. Yeah. Is that a pink ball one? Is that a pink ball? <laughs> but but beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ground at Dubrovnik. Yeah, it is nice there. And, oh. you, and you'd have to get there by a boat. You have to sail Croatia to get there. Yeah. <laughs> they they, they make a good, good team in France, actually. They, they're they really tough to beat in the Loire Valley. I've <laughs> <laughs> well, done a bit of geography, beat. have you? <laughs> oh, I've just had the greatest bike ride with my wife in my life in the Loire Valley. Right, okay. I've got special memories. Okay, well, let's not mock that. Um, now I like the idea. So I, I had USA as a tour, so I'm excited yeah. by the USA cricket chairman yeah. talking about them having full status by 2030. Yeah. Won't happen, but I'm, I'm behind them. And I just like the idea of like, won't happen or what? I think we all know that I know what I'm talking about when I say that it won't happen. All right. <laughs> I've, obviously won't I've happen. checked the financials. Yeah, yeah, I've <laughs> rang around. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have many likes on Facebook. Um, I like, you know, like some places are like, like everyone in the on the UK tour, they all want to they all want to play at Lords, don't you? That's the test match you want to play. So the USA, you probably want to play the LA Test. You probably want to play the New York Test match, like you want to play at Lords. Like hard you, to beat in Texas, yeah. And you know you're probably less you're probably less likely to be amped for a Rose Bowl Test match or a Durham Test. I'm not saying they're bad places. I'm just saying there's there's you know levels. There's a hierarchy. So like, what about if like you know the USA want to play a game in Seattle? Mm. What's that like? Some you know yeah. some lesser known places. New Orleans. It's always a funny conversation. Hell a of a circuit in New Orleans. I mean, do you want to win that game? That's a game you want to win. The New Orleans test. Get out in a riverboat in the Mississippi after you win. Fuck Fucking the yeah. boys celebrated. Yeah. You remember, you remember that footage of Tom Brady after the yeah. Super Bowl? It's like that in yeah. Tampa. It's a great exercise <laughs> in imagination. You always yeah. This always comes up particularly around the Olympics, doesn't it? It's like, uh, if only China invested in, in cricket, you know, they'd be yeah. gold medalists. In, uh, sure, like, sure, would, sure. They, would they? I don't would know, they? Yeah. I mean... Now, we defer to China for obvious reasons, not least because of what happened to our Facebook page a few months ago. <laughs> but, yeah. but, like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it is an all-powerful and rising state, China, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and so we recognise that. But so is the difficulty of the game of cricket. Mm. Could China, with all of its wealth and power, could mm. it... Learn to play cricket. Is cricket as a game more difficult than China is powerful a state? Mate, there's not enough guys in China banging down the door in Sheffield Shield. But would that mean if, you, if well. you got a, a, a young Chinese 
yeah. um, boy or girl, yeah. and taught them the game from age six. Could you have the resources to make them a powerhouse? I mean, demographics. Hey, they could do whatever the fuck they want. You probably, and they do. You're probably right. <laughs> you're probably right. Now, I had another touring destination would be Japan. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they can play the code, Japan. Yeah, they've got teams, yeah. yeah. But so is the USA. So I mean, another one I had, I had Russia in there as well because yeah. I think you can't just have like all, you can't just have, you can't just have Positano, Sorrento. Okay. Capri. All right. You know. <laughs> Why not? Second destination is in Capri, the Isle of Capri. That's what this is, isn't it? This oh, yeah, I know, I know. But you've yeah. also got to have some yin to the yang. Oh, yeah. Well, th- I said that was a tough tour to win in Moscow. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying... You've got to get a visa first. You, you've got to go... <laughs> There's no direct flights either. It's a nightmare. But that's part to. of the difficulty. They make it hard. So you've got to go to like Uzbekistan. Yeah. That's a place you've got to go to. That's that's a really tough winter tour. Galatasaray now. Galatasaray. Now, we're getting, now we're playing Turkey. Now we're playing Champions League away. Yeah, exactly. Getting off the airport. Fucking yeah. Now, one that I did have as well, which is also a team that actually played the USA recently, was Nepal. Now, that, that'd be a tour. Now, I'm, I'm saying as a fan, a fan, like going yeah. to a game, I'm watching Nepal at, at the foot of the Himalayas. I'm watching that game of cricket. Do you remember there was, there was a game against USA and Nepal recently? Right. Um, what's the guy plays, uh, the Nepalese guy plays in the Big Bash League? Um, Not Lamachan. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he was playing. He's a good bowler. He's a good bowler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was playing that game. So like these these teams, there there is cricket out there. And I I want to, I, I fuck yeah. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good work in associate cricket. I know Tim Cutler, you'll be listening to this right now, just with ears burning at whatever stereotypes we're pushing out about <laughs> associate cricket. And we know there's a lot of good work going on there. We want to see it happen. This is just a thought exercise. Mm. This is. A, this I is mean, a, given that New Zealand don't even play away games, it seems unlikely that we're going to go to Nepal. Um, but I'm just saying it would be good. Yeah, let's let's come up with solutions, not problems, you know. All right, Pez. Now, um, as is, this is our 150th. We thought, well, what better time to stop forever? <laughs> not forever. <laughs> not forever. Um, we'll go into a little bit more later, but basically we've been going nonstop for uh, the best part of a year. And uh, we thought we'd just take a little bit of a break as this is sort of the end of – it's the end of something in the cricket cycle for a period of time. This is a two-man band, and uh, everything we put out is through the two of us. So sometimes we need a little bit of a break. We're just going to recharge the batteries for about a month or so, and we're going to come back for the IPL. Um, now, those on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash great cricketer, uh, we're going to be going all the way through. So we'll just keep going all the way through for our Patreon. But for uh, the main show here, uh, we will be taking a little a little break here. So a couple of weeks off. But on Patreon, you're going to continue right the way through. And if you sign up now, you get all the content, of which there's now 31 episodes of Hashtag Ask Fridays. All the rareness, all the looseness, all the rawness can be found at patreon.com forward slash grade cricketer. Now, Pez, New Zealand v Australia, the T20 series. New Zealand wins that series 3-2. Right. Australia got themselves back into it. Yeah. A couple of wins. Was it? A, did New Zealand sort of take the foot off the gas? Probably, just to bring just to bring in a fifth game, NBA finals. You know? <laughs> Get that money Take in. It deep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, but yes, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose the main the main talking point from an Australian point of view was Aaron Finch might have been one game away from getting a little knock on the door. Uh, <laughs> the old Grim Reaper, <laughs> Trevor Hans, exactly. Cracker. I yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, Crack's calling me. Yeah. Screen that. Uh, but he's, he's pulled through with a couple of scores. He's got three, well, two and a half, three scores in his last couple of games, a couple of 50s and a 39, I want to say, 35, 30-odd, mm. 40-odd uh, in that last game. So he's sort of, uh, he's, he's... Most runs ranked. in a series for an Australian. Did he? Yeah. He's done it again. Yeah. He, he scored more runs, was probably more impactful with the bat than any of his colleagues, yeah. yet the one closest to the... Closest um, to the chop. To being pushed off the selectorial cliff. Yes. Well, I mean... I've, I've George said, Bailey came out, selector on duty... Yeah. And backed him to the hilt, and then he started scoring runs. So I suppose 
bit of a pat on the back for GB. I think this is an important thing for the Australian chances in in Asia uh, in the, for the World Cup in uh, later this year. When's that? October. I think it's important that Finch is because Finch is one of the best players we've ever had in the code. They can't win it without him. Exactly. They can't and win it without an inform Aaron Finch. I don't know if any team can win it without their best batter probably being an opener because that's where all the runs are being scored. And if you're, yeah, if this you're is fucking T20 cast here, a couple of metrics boys, are we? <laughs> Pretending what we know what we're talking about with T20 cricket. <laughs> no, just my observation. Yeah, sorry, man. Um, so, yeah, so it's fairly important for Australia's chances if there is any chance at all, though I do believe that India and England are stern favourites to take it out. India by an absolute mile. Well, I just looked up bet three six five. As you want, say India's favourite, Australia second, Australia's in, second, favorite. England third, then New Zealand. It's funny, isn't it? Because when the World Cup was supposed to be in Australia last year, Australia was favourites to win the win the exactly. tournament, and then obviously COVID all kicked off. Is that just changed, like but that? Just teams where people know the most amount of players. Yeah, I'd imagine Windy, the West Indies are big around. <laughs> yeah, Pakistan as well. You never know what they could do. You make New Zealand's good. Yeah. Big momentum game. It's so hard to know. I mean, India must be miles in front, I'm sure. But it's, it's hard to know with this Australian team because, like, how often do they actually string games together where it's the best 11 yeah. play, like, five five games in a row? Exactly. This series they've sent over to New Zealand, it's like, it's a decent team, but it's not It's not the team that's going to play in the World well, Cup. Like it's, it's nowhere near it. Players missing, but key players. I mean, mm. possibly the best white ball bowler in the world, Stark. Mm-hmm. Not there. Mm-hmm. Cummins. And then Warner is hugely key yeah. to the Australian side at the top of the order there as well. Mm-hmm. So and Smith. it's hard to say. I felt like that this series was a bit of a partridge shrug. Yeah. You know, with New Zealand, uh, you know, much being made, it was a second string side. Mm-hmm. Warner was a big miss. Uh, and I just felt like if you were to try and um, oversimplify and sum it up, it'd be like, you know, there was the occasional good sign from each player without any of them putting together anything of great substance for a couple of games in a row, you know, they had games where it was like each player was like, you go, oh, yeah, that's they can do that. They're really good. Mm-hmm. But it was never really strung together. What does that mean? I don't know. Mm. Cheers. Did, who, who, did anyone advance their chances of making that squad? Or or I, I don't know. I mean, Finch basically saved his career, but it seemed anyway. I mean, to be honest. Riley Meredith. I've got to say, if Finch had failed in the last three games, he's still going to the World Cup for me. Well, I, think, I think he's too good a player to, to not for go. For you, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but, I mean, the chat was that he basically had one or two games left. So it's fucking pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, He's in, isn't he? And also, he's he's done two. He's scored two and a half mm. scores. So is that he's fixed now? Do you know what I mean? Like, is yeah. that? Yeah, I, th- I, I don't know. It sounded like of all the people that we've that sort of has come out about the struggles of playing in the bubble and stuff, he was he's been severely affected by it. It right. seems anyway. That's been the, the conversation. I think George Bailey even might have said that right. a couple of weeks ago. So it's all it's all really hard to know. But like, he's not. I mean, I guess he's not mm. going to the IPL. So he might have a bit of a break now. Mm. Um, but Agar got a bag. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. in the game, yeah, and, that's um, right. Yeah, got and six then, wickets, didn't he? And bowled, yeah, and he bowled, bowled well as well, and bowled economically around <laughs> it. He was put up the order, didn't really come up for him, mm. but but I think he advanced himself. Riley Meredith came in, got Kane yep. Williamson out a couple of times, tipped one fifty k's once yep. or twice. Yep. Um, Philip, he played one good innings, I think, and, and showed promise. But where do, you, where do you fit him in if you don't want to go for him? Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, it was a bit. Um, Sort of a bit up, up and down for the rest of the guys, I think, and yeah. and New Zealand, New Zealand dusted. That's the word of this show. Dusted them up pretty hard in the final game. It was it was pretty comfortable. Comfortable, yeah. So comfortable, yeah. You look at New Zealand's team. Got some pretty good players. Pretty good players. They're Guppel, especially Guppel at the top. Um, obviously, Kane Williamson's not a bad stick, mm. mate. My 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 sort of takeaway from this is like, I think I might have said this last week, but cricket, the New Zealand cricket following people, fucking hate Australia. Like fucking hate yeah, us. Big going round about that, mate. Yeah, and it's um, I, was gonna, I think I might have said this last week in terms of the rivalry that seems to exist. Like, 
I'd, every New Zealand person that I've met in cricketing capacity otherwise, lovely. Seems really nice. But then uh, there's this hey, – look, it could just be online and not indicative of any way, but I just see some fucking – Online's always a good indicator oh, of society. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Forget, forget that. It's a fantastic barometer. Yes. Um, and usually brings out the best in people. Best in people. The best in people. That's right. But I just see some fucking – You know, you're sorry. You read through your own tweets – or your own yeah. content online to get, yeah, no, that's a good representation of me. That's about, yeah, that's that's about me and my full complexity <laughs> and humanity right, right. and others. That's right. I just see some about it. fucking Steve Smith crying gear knocking about. Yeah. It's fucking grim. Yeah. Really, like, yeah. quite... Uh, it's punched down stuff. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, some people might say, well, no, it's Steve Smith. It's not. There's nothing punching down about it. The, the moment that's been called out is pretty punched down, I yeah. reckon. And also yeah. not really a great um, appraisal of that situation, but, you know... Now we're being precious Aussies. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, know, no, if you want to read that. But it, it, it's grim and it's a bit, yeah. It's all a bit hard going. But, no, but it just surprised me given the nature of like, the like that's that's why there's fucking something going on in New Zealand. Like don't trust it. Like mm. the nice guy sort of perception, the image, which I mm. do believe is true. But there's like this undercurrent of like, no, we fucking hate Australia. The, well, the mate, cricket New team Ze- anyway. New Zealand cricket's rising, you know. World Cup finalists tied that final. Mm-hmm. They're in the World Test Championship final. They've just knocked over Australia. They'll probably go deep in this tournament. They always do. Exactly. So that's what's that? That's ODI cricket, top of the heap, just about. World Test Championship could be winning that. Mm. T20 stuff. They've, they've got us covered. So maybe it's time for that. Maybe we've got to, we've got to cop it. I still believe that they're underrated because they've been good for like 10 years. Like the end of the McCullum base. But we're now deliberately underrating them. We're just, we're just not even observing them as a state. What have they got to achieve? Like, because if, you, know if they, a, you know if nothing. they lose if they lose the World Test Championship final or they don't win yeah. it. They were just the team that was there. Because India finished first, right? So if that's a draw, then India will win it. Is that how it works? Fuck, I don't know. Someone did a boundary thing the other day. I think India's hit far more boundaries in New Zealand. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, if they lose that, then it's a bit like they're they're the almost rans. They're they're like, uh, they're the team that you beat in the final. Yeah. They're they're the final level boss. But, like, Mm. how many finals have to make before they're like, oh, they're a really good team? I suppose they've got to win a couple of away games they ever get to play them. I don't know. They, I just think they're a good team. I think they're a good team. Anyway, uh, we spoke to Jimmy Nation. Knows a little bit more about it. <laughs> yeah, because he was playing in the thing. Um, so um, wonderful to speak to Nish, a uh, close personal friend. And uh, here he is right now, Jimmy Nation. Well, we're lucky enough to have uh, a bloke with probably probably one of the top senses of humour in world cricket, I would say. Um, and he's he's been kind enough to join us only a few days after uh, – New Zealand have knocked over Australia. Jimmy Nation. Jimmy, welcome back to The Great Cricketer. Thanks. Good to be here, you. Um, I, I wrote to invite you onto the show on Sunday evening and gave you two choices, Monday or Tuesday. Um, Sunday, obviously, was when the series, and you wrote back, and I quote, and I'm sorry to sort of publish WhatsApp with the boys <laughs> stuff, but you wrote, ha-ha, definitely not tomorrow. Um, so I take it the Kiwi boys had a good circuit after pumping Australia in the decider? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a mixture. Um Obviously, it was a little bit of an unusual day. We played at midday, um, so the Aussie boys could could shoot off back to, um, I assume, Sydney um, after the game. So, yeah, we found ourselves about three o'clock in the afternoon, um, you know, obviously with a trophy in the in the cabinet and, yeah, thought we'd have a couple. But, yeah, um, yeah I had a bit of a nightmare uh, travel day yesterday because um, I had to rush out of Auckland during or just before one of the lockdowns uh-huh. um, a week or so ago and, had to drive to Tauranga, which is about three hours away, um, and then fly onto the tour from there. So I had to um, fly Wellington to Tauranga yesterday morning and then pick my car up and drive three hours back. So, um, yeah, it was a, a challenging day. Uh, but, yeah, certainly <laughs> had to be home for a little bit. 
I saw a I saw a nice photo uh, go around on the internet, uh, Jimmy. You, you obviously signed Glenn Maxwell's jersey after the series, and you put uh, you put four six four 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 six on the back of his jersey, obviously in reference to uh, when Maxi got after you after a, a, one of you know, a big over off your bowling. And I think it was the third T Twenty game. I mean, this appears to be an incredibly you know modest gesture, but I presume the front of the jersey, which wasn't photographed on the front, had three two champ. <laughs> No, I, uh, yeah, there's a bit of banter that goes on, obviously, on the WhatsApp that doesn't go uh, into the public. But um, no, I texted him uh, after the game and I sort of said, How come I had to sit there for two months in the IPL watching you bet like an idiot? And then the one time I actually have to bowl to you, you turn around and do that. So um, yeah, he's obviously a pretty um, hard to contain player when he's going and going well. And um, I think we saw a couple of innings um, in this series. He, he sort of got his mojo back a little bit. So. Um, yeah, you don't want to be bowling to him when he's on form, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, as, as Hugo just says that, Jimmy, I, I note that uh, I note that Rahane and the Indian boys presented Nathan Lyon with a, with a jersey to commemorate his 100th test mm. after India knocked Australia over. And yeah. I just know you've done that to Glenn Maxwell after you guys have knocked Australia over as well. So is, is that the sort of start of a, a tradition? If, if you beat a team, <laughs> do you then give somebody a jersey as well just to look magnanimous after yeah. the victory? Well, just to really rub it in, you reckon? Just, yeah. You know, we're, we're the better cricketers and we're better blokes as well. Sort of really try and, That's <laughs> really try and I, put the foot on the throat. Yeah, I guess I, I guess so. Uh, uh, Jimmy, there's like there's not great uh, – I don't think there's great T20 literacy in Australia, uh, like this show included. Um, but, like, beneath the data and the metrics of a new format, like there still must be a feeling heading into a series of, like, we should win or – Alternatively, you know, we might need a little bit of luck to win. So here in Australia, we're like, oh, we've got all these high-profile superstars, even though it's a maybe a second-string team. We should knock the Kiwis over. Um, did you guys consider yourself favourites heading in to the series, or, or was it, and like, was it just merely a case of getting the job done, and you did that? Um, well, I think, I, well, I mean, I always think that we expect to be winning um, games of cricket. I think we've got enough quality cricketers now um, across the board to win games of cricket. But it was a little bit of an unknown, I guess. I think. Um, normally you come up against other international teams and you've played guys a lot before and you sort of have experiences of what they're going to do. And um, obviously with a few younger, newer guys getting put out of the big bash, um, there are a lot of guys we hadn't played before. And, um, I think our scouting meeting before before the series was went for about an hour and a half because you had about 20 blokes over here that most of us hadn't seen play cricket before. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, calling for drinks and stuff in the middle of the, the scouting meeting. So, yeah, we got through that. But um, it's massively a momentum game. Obviously, we, we started with a hiss and a roar at the start of the series and um, had two good wins and then, um, yeah, had a couple of poorer performances. But, yeah, T20 cricket is one of those formats where um, even when a team is down and out, you can turn up on the day and, you know, Aaron French smashes 80-odd and basically wins the team the game. So, um, yeah, we did feel confident, but having said that, um, it's a format where you can never take anything for granted. I feel like um, I feel like heading into the World Cup, Nish, it might be, I think it's India and England are probably the two favourites heading into the World the Cup. T20 World Cup. T- yeah. T- T20 yeah. World Cup, T20 World Cup, yeah. Maybe Australia, I guess, I don't really know. But I feel like not many people are talking about New Zealand, but we've seen in the last like 10 years, probably, probably 10 years, like mm. New Zealand are a tough team to beat in tournaments. I mean, you guys, I'm sure you guys are confident. You're not going to say like, oh, no, I hope we just make a quarterfinal or something. You know, I'm sure you're not going to say that. But like, I mean, what do you think would be... What's 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 the key for New Zealand to go deep in the tournament? I think there's there's eight Kiwis in the IPL this year. I'm, you're you're a huge player, obviously, for New Zealand as well. I mean, what what is what is the key for New Zealand to go deep in the World Cup? Um, 
Well, I think, I mean, it's no secret. It's going to be bowling and playing spin. They're going to be really important. Mm. And I think, um, you know, we've got Mitch Santner and Ish Sodi um, in our team. Ish just got man of the series against mm. the Australians. And, and Mitch Santner has obviously been one of the best um, spin bowling arounders in the world the last four or five years. So um, we certainly feel like in that department we're strong. But um, potentially in the past, um, you know, playing spin with the bat has been a bit of our weakness. But um, we've got a few tours over in the likes of Bangladesh and Pakistan um, just leading up to that T20 World Cup where there should be some really good opportunities to to really uh, work hard on that aspect of our games. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, IPL as well. A lot of guys going over there playing um, in those conditions will be useful. So mm. um, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet before that tournament. I think we've, we've got the World Test Championship final you guys might not have heard about um, <laughs> coming up uh, in June, <laughs> June, July sometime. I think they called, I think they called that um, off, actually. They yeah. called it off. Yeah, got to get through that first, and then uh, yeah, to the T Twenty World Cup after that. Uh, just just on that niche, like India's uh, obviously pasting everybody home and away, uh, and mm. and by everyone I mean the two other countries that sort of control cricket after India <laughs> that we recognise. <laughs> New Zealand is the unconquered outpost, really, and I, I know I know you haven't played Test cricket for a little while, but like the World Test Championship must shape as potentially you know, possibly the could be the greatest moment in New Zealand cricket history should you blokes win, isn't it? And, you know, has an independent curator ever been more important in a game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the ECB are a little bit grumpy about the pitch quality at the moment around the world, so we don't know what's going to turn up, and I think it's Southampton. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think if you look back to, I mean, just before the World Test Championship started, I think New Zealand were ranked 7th or 8th in the world in mm. Test cricket, and... Um, performing pretty poorly and I think it's um, just an amazing I suppose credit to the leaders in our group guys like Brendan McCullum, Kane um, Steady obviously for, for that turnaround to be at a position now where we can say we've got a chance at I suppose being crowned the best test team in the world is pretty um, unbelievable really if you think about it so mm. I think we've always um, sort of punched about our weight a little bit in white ball cricket I think it's probably easier to to get away with a, a smaller talent pool in white ball cricket because individual players can be so much more influential. But, mm. you know, I think it has been a, a massive boost to, to us as a cricketing nation over the last you know, six or eight years and the quality of test cricketers that have come through. Mm. Do you guys reckon, do, do you reckon that New Zealand players are still underrated on the world stage, Niche? I mean, I saw Simon Dool saying like there's a whole bunch of, you know, excellent New Zealand cricketers who aren't getting picked up over less yeah. talented Australian players. Well, I think like is- Devin Conway it made a big 90 and then mm. Ravi Ashwin, Ravi Chandran Ashwin came yeah. out on Twitter and said, ah, oh, four days too late yeah. after the IPL. Yeah. And I think Simon Dool was like, well, you know, we're always underrepresented in the IPL mm. relative to the skill level right. of the players. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, do, do, do you still feel like there's great New Zealand players who don't get the recognition they deserve compared to perhaps Australian players? Um. I think to an extent, yeah, I think the big bash plays a massive role in that. I think, mm. um, you know, when you've got big big grounds, big crowds, lots of fireworks, um, a speed gun that's about 8Ks quicker than everywhere else, um, <laughs> sort of makes a difference to the quality of the critters that you think are on display. So, um, yeah, like just for time zones and stuff, the big bash obviously plays in India. Um, you know, those players get to play in front of IPL scouts and IPL owners and stuff regularly. and. Mm. Um, yeah, it's only natural that guys that you see more often, you're going to be more likely to pick up. So mm. um, I suppose that's something we've seen Adam Milne go over and play in the Big Bash this year and then get picked up in the IPL mm. off the back of that. So mm. um, that's probably potentially an avenue to look at for, for other New Zealand mm. cricketers. But mm. um, yeah, I think um, first and foremost, um, it's about winning games for New Zealand. And um, I think we've seen Kyle Jamison 
you know, come onto the international stage and win games for New Zealand and then get picked up um, for a, a very healthy amount in the IPL. So it's certainly guys don't get ignored, but mm. um, yeah, certainly the big bash plays a big part in getting exposure to those, I suppose, second tier players. Yeah. 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 The speed gun is a marketing tool. That's yeah. genius. Yeah. Okay. So just, just on the IPL, you've been picked up by the Mumbai Indians, uh, five-time winners of the tournament. Mm. Um, so just in researching this, Jimmy, like a number of news scraping cricket websites are referring to you as backup to Kyron Pollard. Like, is it just accepted that you come in as backup? And if so, like I'd imagine you'd be one of the most valuable blokes on Sense of Humor alone. The IPL goes for a long time. Mm. Like, is it helpful to be someone who's so good at getting around the boys? And, and if so, like, what are your strategies and tactics mm. you employ to, to get around the boys in the IPL? Um. Yeah, I, look, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's no shame in being a backup to Kyron Pollard. I think no. um, in the world of T20 cricket at the moment, I think I'd probably draft him first if I was making my own team. He's an unbelievable hitter. And um, I think we've seen, you know, he's played about 500 T20s and has a record that's unbelievable. So I'm certainly not, you know, grumpy at being described as his backup. But um, yeah, I think it's important in the IPL. Um, you know, that you're trying to contribute in any way you can, even when you're not on the playing field. And I think, um, well, I, I wouldn't say that's why I got picked up because I make people laugh. But, um, yeah, like hopefully it's something you can contribute. And, you know, if you play one or two games or 12 games or whatever, um, at the end of the day, it's about uh, helping the team win. And, um, yeah, I suppose having a bit of a reputation of not being too grumpy when I'm not playing might help a little bit. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, um, more than happy in these these sort of COVID times to, to have somewhere to play cricket and, and be able to go overseas and play because um, there's certainly a little period there where everyone was stuck at home wondering, you know, how mm. long would it be before we could do that again? Mm-hmm. How much are you hoping that Argent Tendorka's dad comes to the games? <laughs> um, I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest. But, like, <laughs> Um, be nice if you could tag me in a couple of Instagrams so yeah. you know, the, the followers up a little bit but yeah um, yeah, I'm sure he'll be there or thereabouts I think he's pretty uh, integral to the Mumbai Indians he's, I think he's still a, um, a mentor or something within the group so I'm sure he'll be around right. um, at some point whether we have crowds or not is, is still to be seen but yeah. Um, yeah hopefully he can come in at some point yeah I, I know that um, the New Zealand government and the New Zealand players are in talks with trying to get uh, trying to jump the queue to get the jab before you guys go on tour with um, in uh, to India and England. Have you have you heard much about that? Um, oh, it was mentioned, you know, very very briefly. Right. Um, you know, in the change rooms after the game after the Australian series, it's obviously a topic of conversation that comes up a lot. Sure. Um, and yes, yeah, certainly. Um, it'd be ideal to be vaccinated before mm. I suppose going to some more COVID hotspot countries. But yeah. um, having said that, uh, you know, there's frontline workers and nurses and doctors and stuff that are all, all ahead of cricketers in the queue. So you certainly wouldn't want to be um, jumping ahead of people that need it more. But mm. um, yeah, if there's, you know, eight spare doses that are going to get thrown out, then we're more than happy to <laughs> rush down to the doctors and <laughs> yeah. catch them before they go on the It's like going to a bakery just as it's closing. Oh, any, any bread you don't want. <laughs> Uh, any, any AstraZeneca knocking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy, <laughs> we'll, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, thanks so much for joining us, mate, and giving us a little bit of colour after that series. Uh, you guys have you know uh, done us again. All the best in the World Test Championship final, Mumbai Indians, uh, probably winning the World T20 stuff, and yeah. um, we'll just still won't recognise it because um, of our own <laughs> insecurities. So cheers. Fair enough. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Jay Nish. That's, that's not a thing. He's never been called that. That's that's not a thing. Hey, Pez, uh, India v. England. 
Yeah. Uh, is a series that has wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, the fourth test was was done and dust. In fact, the last two games went for less than five days. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I was robbed of five days yeah, of yeah, test yeah. cricket. You're an overrates guy. Yeah, fuck yeah. I paid, I paid for a certain amount of content. I was given less than that. Yeah. Here's how I watch test cricket now on my phone. And then like <laughs> decibel level will come out of the left ear. Yeah, what's that? What's that? Oh. Something amazing happens yeah. if you're watching on YouTube. Like if something really amazing happens, you're sitting by yourself. What's your sort of facial reaction? <laughs> a little bit more though. <laughs> and then someone will play a miss and I'm like, he's fucking shit. That kind of gear. Uh, anyway, England bowled out for 205 and 135 in the fourth test. A lot of chat about England's lack of runs being scored in this series. Apart from that 205 in this fourth test, I think they – the entire series, except for the first innings of the first test, where Root scored a double ton. He scored a double mm. ton. Yeah, yeah, he scored a double ton. Yeah, that's right. Um, they didn't reach. They didn't go past two hundred. Mate, they got Indiad. You know, and they it's happened Indiard. before. It, it had a set. It had a this series had a feel of new things being discovered about India, but it was yeah. actually quite to script of things that Australia's experienced many times before. It was very. Mm. It was classic mm. in a lot of ways, and you know, to the point where by the end, like it, like England, kind of. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you could say because of that first test win, they did very well to take themselves. I mean, you know, the match was poised. The series was poised on day two of the final test. Yep. So with that read, you could say, well, England have done really well. They're only a couple of sessions away from securing a historic series draw yeah. against a side that people are frankly frightened of. Yeah. But by the, by the same token, there was a certain meek surrender with the bat that took place in about the second test. Um, so mm. much so that, like, if Australia had gone through that, I think there'd be an inquest here. But, yeah, I agree. But the moment I think that it turned was was when Rishabh Punt reversed dogged Anderson over first slip. Mm. I felt it was symbolic. You know, the match mm. was poised, the series was poised. James Anderson, a wonderful bowler, you know, no doubting that in any way here in Australia, you know, at least on this show. Mm-hmm. He's taken some time off the field to freshen up for the second new ball. Yeah. Sundar and Punt just starting to rest control, but the game's in the balance. Mm-hmm. Here comes one of the great quicks of all time into Rishabh Pan, who basically fucking runs at him mm. first pill, mm. smashes him over his head. Mm. Now there's delirium in India mm-hmm. and YouTube. And now it's like, <laughs> oh, shit, here they come. All and of a then, sudden, like the smoke machine must have come out. Just started a little bit hazier, got a little bit hotter. Mate, Anderson was like two for 19 off 17 or yeah. something silly. Yeah, a little bit Like loose. that coming into it. Yeah. You know, that it's a big clash mm-hmm. at that moment. Mm-hmm. Old cricket, new cricket. And then a um, few overs later, punts basically on the ground, reverse scooping him over first slip. First slip's basically a ring fielder. Yeah, at that point, he's on the one. Um, it, it, you know that ball from Anderson is a as a is a new ball that's just leaving the left hander mm. over off stump, perfectly executed. It's like, oh, that's a wonderful opportunity to scoop him. <laughs> you can't bowl there, <laughs> you know. Up. Couple of, a couple of days later, Sundar's made 96 not out. Yes, his dad's unhappy about unhappy that. We about understand that. that. Yeah. But yeah. He, he's in front of the TV saying, well, this is a pretty good pitch to bat on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going, whoa, we're in trouble. <laughs> the, the cricketing world's in trouble here. The way that India yeah. just um, just went, boop, game over. And it yeah. was it was done uh, in a session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I re- it makes you realise what Warner should have been doing to Broad, that, that entire Russia series, you know? <laughs> makes you realise. Makes you yeah. realise. Warner's sitting there watching that going, ah, oh, no. Uh, yeah, I was probably a bit straight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, should have flipped him over one. Yeah, it felt symbolic that that shot. I wonder if um, now because all the conversation of the series was like, oh, state of the pitches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
And I wonder if England, as a um, consumer of that series, been a bit like, you know, I, is, as in the, the public, the viewing public, oh. had it been a bit like, yeah, but, you know, they're playing on these weird pitches and they're, actually, they're not actually very good. And then that happens. And then that's their, like, gabba moment, you know, because I feel like you've said in the past that, India's always been able to, sorry, the rest of the world's always been able to rely with India on like, yeah, but let's get them on the semi pitches. Let's get them on the fast pitches. They can't do it away from yeah. home. And then they have. Yeah. With it's one trick pony stuff. Extremely weakened team. And then it's like, oh my God. And then even in this series where England was sort of in it on this day and then that happens and it's like, what the fuck is this team? They picked what Washington Sundar sport? who's batting eight or nine. Yeah. He batted eight. And his role in the team was like, we need to pick 11. Yeah. And this guy's a fucking fantastic sick. Opens the batting. Um, opens the batting. Tamil for his, Naidu. For Tamil Naidu. When he plays. And and uh, and he's he's the real deal. Washi. 100%. And like going into the, 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 the way England got themselves into that fourth test as well. It was like, it was old cricket in the sense that it was hard fought. They winkled guys out. It mm. was, you know, they got the big guys, Pajara, Rahane, Kohli. Mm. In that first session, they got Ashwin and... Mm. Um, and Rohit, who, who mm. was in his best play yeah, in the second right, session. Right. And then the new guys, it was like, we're in it. Mm. Blood, sweat, tears to get ourselves in the dirt into this game, 38 degrees. And then Pant and Sundar, boom, 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 over. And, and it's like the way it was done was a bit mm, different sport now, isn't it? It's a, it's a different sport. It's a different sport. These they're guys they're are playing. playing a different game. And what about in the last two series, India have won two tosses. Now, we know how, how important yeah. it is, especially in... in so it's that two out of eight. Um, two out of eight. Now, we know how important the toss is in India, especially yeah. when it spins so much, and they won one toss. England had all the best of the conditions and still got fucking pumped. So I think that, you know, the, the, it just sets up the England-India reverse series really well. I this mean, could if, be anything. if they knock over... They're, they're traditionally not very good in England. If they knock England over there, I think that would be the equivalent Gabba moment. Um, so I think England yeah. can still hold on to like, well, we'll get you at blah, blah, blah. They're just smart enough to say that. Mm. Uh, just mm. they don't carry on in that <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. But they do, yeah. you know, I noted, we talked about this off air, like every country reacts differently to losses. Mm-hmm. And like I've just noted recently, oh, like in Australia, there'd be an inquest about this, yeah. you know, about just the capitulation of the batting. Australia's yeah. a batting nation. It's blades in hand. Yeah. Someone's got to score runs. There's got to be generational yeah. shit going on. Yeah, yeah. If they capitulated like that, you know, guys, England guys, it was, it was laughing. There was guys gesticulating when they were out going, what's mm. going on? Mm. Um, this is handstands. There was a bit of sarcastic stuff mm. like, oh, this is a bit of a joke. Mm. We've all been there in the second mm. innings of any grade cricket game mm. when people are batting on. There was a bit 100%. of that. Yeah. I just know, you know, there's a few, like, there was one particular August publication, August publication, you yeah. know, online who was, like, starting to, like, there's a few articles running going, like, oh, well, you know, um, is this the review that possibly cost Australia the World Test Championship? And just what? harking back to Payne's <laughs> review at Headingley. <laughs> Two years ago. 18 months ago. And, yeah. and, and, you know, people piling on, going, yeah, I can't believe they threw it away at the Oval and stuff. Like, is, right. is that costing the World Test Championship? It's like... Well, I guess that's England, you know, doing some doing some weird coping with losing. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, but Australia embarrassed themselves yeah. once as well. Yeah. Hey, what's you know? Meghan Markle up to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I just, you know, it's a bit, it's diff- it's just different to hear. Like, if Australia lost that way to India, and they have, and they will, yeah, I don't think we'd be going. What about when England fucking did this thing? Remarkable, just, uh, isn't it? Just yeah, it's just a bit of a, yeah. But Australia's a bit shit too. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, see, Australia's not in the, the like, why are you talk, why are you talking about another team? Pretty amazing that Headingley, it's been a couple of years now, but that will that's going to be 30, 40, 50 years, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was it was perfect game because it was like, it was a an utter choke from Australia <laughs> yeah. and a heroic Yeah, and a guy they hate dropped the Yeah, dropped yeah, everything happened. It was, it was the fucking, yeah. um, 
was the climax of everything you want as yeah. a tribal sports fan. I wonder what Joel Wilson's up to now. <laughs> um, mate, I, I, was, I wonder with England, like, what's their direction? Like, wh- where are they going? Because you look at this series specifically yeah. and the rotation. They've got, they've got fucking, how many, 17 tests this year, nine against India. They've got an Ashes. There's a World Cup in between. COVID's involved. You know, it's, it's an incredibly difficult um, uh, schedule to juggle with everything. But I still wonder, a bit like... They packed this one in. They've packed in this tour. Well, there's certain, there's things that they they t- took a bigger picture perspective to it, didn't they? Yeah. And they're recognizing. I mean, when they won that first test, we were like, they're they're a step ahead. You know, yeah. Australia looked absolutely cooked by the fourth test with our one, mm-hmm. and so they were like, well, we're rotating guys. The guys are coming in and out of the bubble. They need to see their family. We're playing eighteen thousand tests this year, uh, mm. so let's play it that way. But then they got to the fourth test where they could have secured something, and there's probably three or four guys at home that would have been possibly really valuable for that game. Yeah, and the teams that they picked in the third and fourth test were really, really bizarre. They played three seamers on an four seamers on an absolute Bunsen burner, mm-hmm. one of the most spinning pitches I've ever seen in 30 years. And then the the last test match, they picked two seamers and it looked like they had a little bit in the wicket for it. And Stokes and Anderson were absolutely cooked mm. by the end of day one. It was a hot Stokes day. Stokes especially. Stokes especially. He hadn't bowled that much this series. Yeah. He's got a bit of a shoulder issue. Um, and they're playing Don Bess and he looks, you know, a shadow of the bowler that I think he, he might be able to be, but he's, he can barely land the thing at the moment, the poor mm. guy. Mm. Um, so, and I just wonder, like, do they, do they really care about this series? You know, they got out of South Africa really quickly, to, as Australia did as well, and they're just like, let's secure the India money for the broadcast rights. This might be super cynical, but it's fucking pretty hard to escape. Mm. Get out of South Africa. There's nothing in that for us. We've got World Cup. We've got Ashes. We've got two India series. That's the most important thing. Secure that. Yeah. You have to play that. Who plays in India? Oh, I don't really buy it. I'll just, just rotate them in and out. All these guys playing in the IPL. What's the priority? What's England's direction? What are they actually trying oh, well, to achieve? Oh, are, they trying, are, they, pre- are they trying to win in the Ashes? Are they yeah. trying to win the Ashes? Oh, I think it's a in the like extraordinary circumstances of COVID, I think sure. it's quite understandable when you zoom out from it mm-hmm. and, and it protects the players a little bit. And I think they'll, they'll live and die by the Ashes series. The Ashes, the Ashes and, isn't and, it? Yeah. and they're probably half a shout. For the with, World Cup? No, oh, for, for the Ashes. For the Ashes. Yeah. Uh, with the state of Australian, the Australian men's test side at the moment, Australian side doesn't play any cricket as an Australian side for like six oh, months now. Well couple of one days in West Indies and then it's all the way through to like the reschedule Afghanistan test. Having watched England more closely over the past 12 months or so, I've got to say that their bowling's good. England's bowling will be good. And especially they got uh, – Archer's an interesting one because he, he's, he's, his elbow's fucked. Right. And he's hardly played much cricket and his elbow's flared up. And there's, step up there's, here. There's a, little, there's a little bit of discussion like he might just turn to a white ball play. He might, he might right. get, get rid of the test match cricket. Whether that's true or not, who knows. But still, even without him, they've still got Stokes, Anderson, Broad. They'll have Wood. Um, they'll have mm. maybe Archer. They'll have Ollie Stone's a good bowler as well. Yeah. I think the bowling's going to be pretty they'll handy They'll have speed. They'll have air speed. What I worry about with England is that their batting does look weak. It's there's, also there's the, one the guy averages more well. than thirty five. That's, that's not good enough. It, like India are able to control run rates with Ravichandran and Ashwin in you know, Australia. Yeah, in yeah, Australia, yeah, yeah. and I'm not. I'm just. I mean, Jack Leach actually bowled really well in the India series. Yeah, I thought he was good. He's a good bowler. Um, I'm just not sure he'd be able to exert the same kind of control mm. where the batters can like the batters can get away a little mm. bit better. Mm. I think Australia will go in favourites, but they're, they're vulnerable mm. at, at the moment, Australia. I did feel like about a year ago it was like, well, that's going to be 5-0. England, absolutely no chance. Yeah. And, and you probably feel that way come November again because Cummins have a moustache and they'll just do <laughs> chest stuff. <laughs> yeah, it'll be bushfires again here. I'd just be like, oh, I recognise yeah, this As now. long as we can see through the smoke, it's yeah. all good. <laughs> yeah. La Nina's not here anymore. It's all, it should be good. Oh, exactly. Hey, can we just say also, for those who tune in for our Q&A on YouTube as well, if you are 
listening to this or watching this on YouTube, it was a great Q&A. We did it live. We streamed it. And then uh, the stream glitched badly at the end and we couldn't even end it. So we didn't want to leave you with a two-day stream. Yeah. Um, and it was really fun because uh, un- until some India-Pakistan terrorist stuff started um, oh, yeah, that's right. getting Pop- written in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know what it meant. Had to put it in translate. Uh, I'm not going to trivialize that, but... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do one again. But for those asking, yeah, the stream just um, was cooked by the end, so we deleted it. Uh, the Sheffield Shield, Pez. Oh, I had some other stats here about fucking Axel Patel, who'll yeah. never play again. 20, <laughs> yeah. Twenty-seven wickets in three games at ten. Yeah. What the fuck is that? A couple of runs on that fourth Test match. Anyway, yeah, they're, they're yeah. amazing. Yeah. Sheffield Shield, Pez runs everywhere. Uh, Cameron yeah. Green, two hundred and fifty-one runs. But we want to know what we want to know, don't we? <laughs> and we will find. We'll find out. Well, yeah. I learnt this week through a Cricket Australia article, he goes that um, Cameron Green actually has a hands-off approach to playing cricket. So, what you know, the, well, in the last couple of years, we've started salivating over Smith and Marnus just being like absolute devourers of cricket balls oh, yeah. and loving the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Cameron Green's coming off, you know, he's basically hits 200 or 100 in every game. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And he's, he's come out and he said, look, the, probably the biggest thing I've learned was trying to get the mental side of things right. It's been a big summer. I've hit thousands of balls throughout my career. I, I don't need to be spending a lot of time in the nets. Uh, I just need to get my mental state right. So sometimes hitting no balls can just freshen my mind up so that I'm actually um, ready mentally to play really long innings. Um, so um, basically what I'm learning is he succeeds by not playing cricket and maybe he's quite a normal person. That's we're interesting. We're just going to come back to some like uh, balanced stuff. Wow, well, that's interesting because there's going to be a bit of a clash here in the next couple of years where you've got Yamanis and Smith. In the side who are just no, I want to hit balls for breakfast, mm. and then you got Bukowski, who's much more about his mental well-being and his mm. state, and his, uh, having a more holistic approach to mm. his life in relation to cricket or cricket in relation to his life. Yeah. And Cameron Green seems the same way. That yeah. seems like quite quite a clash. Will there be infighting? Is someone <laughs> going to choke someone? He just he, like he was asked about Marnus and Steve Smith. He said they take a different approach. They're crazy. They love cricket more. Um, than I've seen from anyone else. Uh, so they probably do it for the love of the game, whereas I try and relax and freshen myself up. So which is a, yeah. a subtle way of saying I do not love the game no, like, right. like Manus and Steve. And you know what? I mm. trust that. Mm. So is he the next skipper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the balance, there is no middle ground here. No. The balance is you, you're amazing at it, but you hate it. I'm not saying he hates it, but he's it's very alpha. It is very alpha. It's very nineties cricket. It's like he's probably one of those guys like, on a circuit or just after the day's play. He's like, man, I don't want to fucking talk about cricket. So, like, but you just hit two hundred and fifty, you know? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I was about to suggest something he yeah. would be talking about, but that's not appropriate. That'll be from the nineties, <laughs> and I don't think that's what he's like. <laughs> um, Jackson Bird passed four hundred first class wickets. Pez. Yeah, yeah. he's also captain of this game against Victoria. Yeah. Can't just can't praise him enough. One of those guys, though, just not quick enough. Not quick enough in Australia. How many tests would he have played? 20? Yeah. 15? Sure. 15, something like that? Sure. Be like that in Copeland. These guys who just dominate shield mm. cricket, skilled bowlers. But it, it, if only there was more cricket in France on those wickets. <laughs> exactly. Green wickets. Exactly. And yeah, well done. Well done to the squid. Um, Alex Carey, 125 yep. for South Australia. Yeah. As we go to air, like they've set up a, it's a bit of a declaration game. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear this and something obviously something will happen, but it looked like a good game. Uh, Matt Renshaw, 100. Yep. That's his 12th. First class ton before the age of 25. So pretty good player. Mm. A lot of guys kicking around who've like average quite, have a quite a good start to their test career that we look back and go, maybe we should develop them a little bit better. Yeah. Pete Hanscom in the rain affected match that Victoria played in top scored uh, in the first innings in a, in a low scoring game. And then was well set on 50 odd, not out chasing um, a gettable total 260 maybe. Mm. Uh, I heard Ed Cowan say through the week that he thinks there'll be a second act to Hanscom's career. So just noting, he goes that next um, 
next year Australian cricket has what have I got, have I got it here? It's basically all it's basically all Asia. I had written it down. I don't know where it is now. Sorry. Yeah, but they've got Afghanistan, Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka. Sri they've Lanka. got a game in Afghanistan, India. So basically, okay, there's right. there's about nine or ten tests mm. between February and um October and November, mm-hmm. all in Asia, um, basically covering all of it. Mm-hmm. So you know that's where people are going to start talking about Glenn Maxwell, mm-hmm. Pete Hanscom, Kawaja, mm. Renshaw. I don't know. Mm. I don't know who's skillful with spin, but I know Hanscom is. Yeah, could be a second act. Love to see it. Mm. He's, probably, he's probably too good a player to have to net to not play for Australia again. I reckon. I think he's he's rated highly. He's one of those players. I think gets his act together, starts scoring runs consistently. I reckon they'd bring him back pretty quickly. Really funny in relation to the Sheffield Shield being now, especially when there's no gap. Sorry, there's such a large gap between mm. the next time the Australian Test mm. team plays, mm. especially now England have had the same problem. I noticed where they play all that they, they they've split the county championship into two parts now, and of course with the hundred now being included as well, they basically play the county championship at the beginning of the season, then they play yep. all their short form stuff that that includes the hundred, yep. and then they go the the last half of the season is the um, the county championship, as is the Sheffield Shield with us, and they, and that I know um, they're sort of having a conversation about how helpful is it when you're looking for guys to be... It's the same conversations here. Mm. How helpful is it when there's guys, the international team, the test team is playing, and there's no one playing any long-form cricket in yeah. that country to yeah. to come in when they're in form? Like, Glenn Maxwell's kind of got this this problem as well because now there's a chat about whether Victoria will take... Now that he's free, mm. he sort of wants to get back in the test side, and mm. Victoria, through Chris Rogers, has a decision to make about, like, well, you know, do we... Will he assist us in winning... The shield, like Chris Rogers, might have a view on Glenn Maxwell's red ball effectiveness. Is it a, how do they balance that with the youth coming through? There, there might be some coronavirus stuff they can sort of go. Oh, well, we couldn't get it going. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is. It's all. It, it's like with Indian cricket. The game's changed around who is available and why. And, mm. and and I mean, even if Glenn Maxwell makes runs in shield cricket now, there's still a fair amount of time. I mean, still now a year before those Asian tests. Mm. So there's other first class games he could play before then. Is it even? Is it even going to matter if he makes 120 on the junction in three weeks' time against mm. South Australia mm. when they're about to go and play in Chapark Stadium? <laughs> yeah. You know? It's funny with um, Victoria try and win the Shield. Yeah. Whereas New South Wales try and put players into the Australian team. Yeah. The, the, they could have Patterson's got 100. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the methods of the state teams are, are quite interesting. Yeah. And Glenn Maxwell might be part of the team, might, might be part of the thing where, like, well, you're not going to help us win it. So. We're not going to help you try and get into the Australian team, even though he, he may be a valuable asset. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure he's the fucking silver bullet like other people are making out. I think he has the potential. I think mm. he, he's part of the conversation, but I don't think he's like, well, he's a, he's a lock to bat five or six or whatever. Mm. There's, a, I mean, he's like, Maxwell's like a, um, he's like a lightning rod for your cricketing philosophy, really. And mm. I think people are right to think, well, you know, if he was invested in differently, then we may have that extra bat that we need. And he has scored 100 in India. Yeah. He can play skillfully there. So, you mm. know, all he needs is just some something in the bank mm. that you can take over there. Because mm. I think they're going to have to think outside the square for India in, 100% in like, a, what, 15 months' time 100% to, to get the runs that they need. Yeah. The team, that, the team that will hopefully win the Ashes in Australia cannot be the same team that goes to mm. India. Mm. Like it just can't be. Yeah. Like the, the but you sort of think it will be because, like, incumbency is just too valued here, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, true. True. Uh, Pez, uh, International Women's Day was yesterday, IWD, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the SCG... Uh, proposing a bronze statue to celebrate the women's game outside mm. the SCG. Yep, and huge conversation around who that bronze statue might be. So mm-hmm. I, I think I've seen a list that has sort of Betty Wilson, Belinda Clark, Karen Rolton, Faith Thomas. So I learned Faith Thomas in 1958 was the first Indigenous woman not just selected in the Australian 
cricket setup, Australian mm. cricket team, but in any national team. Mm. So no Indigenous woman had been um, selected in any national sporting right. team right. until 1958. She played a test at the Junction Oval flat that day as well, I think. Um, <laughs> Catherine Fitzpatrick and uh, Sharon Treadray, who we yeah, heard okay. from last year at the yeah. CA Awards. Yeah, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, Hall of Fame. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose, from, well, from, from TGC's end, two white dudes – Sitting in the studio, we mm. love our sisters mm. and everyone who's ever come onto the show mm. as well. So happy International Women's Day! Uh, theme is women in leadership as well. So respect. Let's get some more. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard, and I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah. I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Uh, Pez, uh, we have, uh, there's so much cricket coming up. Uh, there's India, England, there's seven, there's eight white ball games there. West Indies, Sri Lanka, a couple of tests, white ball, New Zealand, Bangladesh, <laughs> Afghanistan, Zimbabwe, the Australian and England women are touring New Zealand at the moment. The IPL commences in April. There's so much cricket going on. It's never, ever ending. Of course, we are taking a break uh, because I need to recharge my brain. Uh, brain doesn't work. Brain doesn't work anymore. Brain doesn't work anymore. But uh, anyway, uh, I mentioned uh, Jimmy Nation. Thank you very much for coming on the show. We've got Gideon Hay coming up right now. And as we all know, all our guests this summer have been brought to you by Ponting Wines, our dear friends at Ponting Wines, where you can get... 10% off the price of a case using the code GETAFEW at pontingwines.com.au. And we thank very much, Ricky, for supporting. Well, the it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the last Ponting Wine Association for this series. Mm-hmm. And it has been great w- working with Ponting Wines. And we sampled a case, didn't we? Yes, we did. Individually, not even together. I don't remember being with you. Yeah, I don't remember it. Because <laughs> that's what happens. Drink responsibly. Yeah, drink responsibly. Uh, so thanks for, thanks for Ponting Wines. Uh, Get that case. Use the code get a few to get 10% off the price of a case. Pontingwines.com.au. Here he is. Here's the great man. Get in, hey. Come on, guys. Let's make the use of Marnie while we got him, guys. Scored a few runs this test. He's back, boys. Yeah. A couple of runs and he's back. No, just fucking back properly. Back properly. Back properly. Back properly. Do something that or his ADD. I'm going to be older than sitting with Roy and Warning saying the same thing. We'll have to give him the hog pile. Okay. <laughs> Mate, you keep that shit up, we're going to squash your guts <laughs> out your ass. Back properly. We'll have to give him the hog pile. Hog pile. Mate, you keep that shit up. Hog pile. Mate, you keep that shit up. Hog pile. Mate, you keep that shit up, hog pile. Mate, you keep that shit up, we're going to squash your guts out your ass. It's out your ass, it's out your ass, it's out your ass. What a pleasure it is, he goes, to introduce into TGC Towers, a.k.a. your apartment. The world's greatest living cricket writer and also top-order batsman at the Yarras. Um, one half of the excellent Cricket Etc. podcast oh. and the guy who wore the 
Four Seasons Total Landscaping T-shirt on TV, which would have <laughs> wound up heaps of people. That's where I recognise him. Heaps of people on Channel 7, which was hilarious. Yeah. But probably the main one is the world's greatest cricket rider, Gideon Haig. Welcome. Nice to be here, gentlemen. It's a zhuzhi location for a podcast with such an anti-establishment bent. <laughs> well, <laughs> when How do you afford it? Yeah, when he goes... To be much better than we are on cricket. <laughs> <laughs> when he goes said... I'm moving to Melbourne. Where should I come? I just thought, when I just looked at Higos, just looked it up and down, I thought, it's Chapel Street for you, brother. Fucking hell, that's definitely not a good assessment of me yeah. as a human being. I am astonished that I haven't roped you in for the Yaris, <laughs> given your proximity to yeah. Como Park. I've been seeing the phone calls, yeah. a lot of screen calls. <laughs> mm. uh, Gideon, well, let's start Let's start with the Yaris. Like, it, is a, it is a privilege for us to have you here. Uh, I know you've been on the show before, but here in person. I mean, one thing you always said, off air to us was you know you should continue playing cricket because it's a muse for what you write and you should stay connected to sure, the game yeah. you're at the Yarras mm-hmm. I know you start on the Cricket Etc podcast always been asked by Pete how you went at the weekend so if you'll indulge us how did you go at the weekend and how's the season gone yeah, and of course I hate it no one ever <laughs> wants to be asked how well they've done at the weekend because of the the frequency with which you haven't done well <laughs> but uh, well it's actually a test you know do you put forward the team score first or your own yeah okay. yeah, yeah well I mean Pete Pete's a very probing interviewer, so you know I can't. I, there's nothing I can hide from him. But we had a good win at the weekend, and we are. I think we're third on the ladder. We'll probably get into finals, and we will run one round of the home and away season to uh, to go. It's been a very enjoyable season. I think for Victorians, you know, after six months of lockdown, getting back to doing the things that we enjoy doing was was disproportionately satisfying. And to find that they were just as enjoyable as they were before COVID. Uh, was was salutary. I am the COVID safety officer oh, at yes. the Eras. <laughs> Do you have uh, a vest? Yeah, I have a flip phone, <laughs> which uh, which prevents me doing any of the QR codes. And every now and again, I just say to the boys, "Getting a little bit close together, boys. Just just stand back a bit." <laughs> I was like, oh, "My job is done here." Yeah. Now, what is the role of the COVID officer? Are you sanitising hands, balls? What's the yeah, what's actually, the situation? I'm not quite sure. Not sure. But yeah. Even the umpires do most of the sanitising. Okay. Periodically, it's I think it's just to remind people that. I've got my eye on them. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how you hit, you've avoided the question, how are you hitting them? I'm hitting yeah. them all right, actually. Yeah. Um, I've, all right. I've had a bit of an interrupted season because I haven't been able to get to training very much right. and uh, because of domestic responsibilities. And I had always associated uh, practice with the maintenance of a minimum level of mediocrity. <laughs> Obviously, you know, if I don't practice, I won't be any good. But I've actually found that it makes no difference whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just the same cricketer as I was when I when I practiced twice a week. Yeah. So you're you're kind of like Cameron Green, who's come out this week and said, I, I I've hit, already hit thousands of balls as a junior. I I just need to get myself fresh. Yeah. Well, um, not quite like Cameron <laughs> Green, but uh, you, you can you can do a bit on uh, on muscle memory, and actually, it kind of keeps you a bit fresher. And it's, uh, I, one of the enjoyable things about this summer is that I'm playing with a bunch of guys who I played with in a premiership team about four or five years ago. There's about half of us who've, who've carried over from that team. And there is actually a, an unusual bond between us because we all, all had this, this, this experience um, together. So oh, that's, that's added a kind of a, um, a level of... Affection and and spontaneity to our cricket this summer. Should we say on the theme of club cricket? And we notice through um, our direct messages on the internet, you see a lot of posting online, especially in WA cricket for some reason. Not sure what's going on over there, but there's been a lot of like behavioural stuff mm, which yeah. is sort of filtered into filtered in. I think it's been around for as long as 
club cricket has existed or something as long as I've been playing, but it just seems to be stemming maybe from the top level down. Maybe, mm. I don't know, I just see a lot of things. There was a, something in Victoria over the weekend. Something in Victoria over the weekend, mm, yeah. but umpires mm. being pushed. It's, it's mm. grim gear. It's grim stuff. Mm. It's grim gear. Are you seeing this sort of thing as well? well I wrote about it a couple of weeks right. ago in, the, um, in um, WA Premier Cricket that they've had, I think, almost 50 reports or cautions right. this What's summer. Going on? And some of them are quite serious, and obviously the uh, the usual systems of deterrence aren't working. Mm. There's plenty of people are getting suspended, but it's not really making any difference. Mm. And I think... Um, some umpires are being challenged. Some mm. umpires don't quite know how to handle uh, poor behaviour on the field, so they're mm. turning a blind eye to it, which, of course, has the effect of uh, encouraging it. I think some of that filters down from, uh, fr- from the top level, but I think um, a lot of it has got to come down to club culture. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's how we relate to our teammates and uh, our, our, the regard that they hold us in that really influences our behaviour rather than what... Steve Smith or Marnus Labuschagne is, is sure, doing. Sure, It's interesting because I remember um, Richard Cheekwee, at the time anyway, when we were speaking to him, maybe on air, maybe off air, but he's, he's on the judiciary for the Sydney Cricket Association. Yeah. And he was saying that during the Ashes, the increase of instances of reporting and people being, you know, have to front the judiciary, it goes way up through the roof when there's an, when there's an Ashes right. series. There's something about – so in that, in that instance, there seems to be a direct correlation between the behaviour of international players – you know, and then players going out and aping it, what they mm-hmm. see on the field as well, which is quite disconcerting. But yeah, yeah perhaps you're right. Probably, it probably does stem from club culture. I think one of the disturbing things that I've seen over the last few years is is how widespread it is. It's not confined to a particular group of angry cricketers. There's plenty of young cricketers who are brought up to sledge and mm. to to, um, to show their on-field aggression, mm. and it's kind of unpoliced by, by older players. Mm. Um, older players are not setting the example that you'd expect of them. But some of the incidences that I've heard of this summer have been quite disturbing. The umpire I spoke to a couple of weeks ago, he'd had a game in which there were 11 reports. Right. That's 11 reports. Yeah. That's almost inconceivable in the shabby standard of park cricket that, yeah. uh, that, that we play. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you think, uh, I mean, our observation is that, at least with the culture we grow up in, that there is a, a view, whether it's stated or otherwise, that you know, being tough or aggressive or unpleasant to the opposition is a precondition or a signal of... Of success, or or, um, or will help you be successful. It's especially covering other countries now. It doesn't seem to be the case in any other country. Mm. Do, do you observe that in what you see in Australian cricket? Is, is it particular to Australian cricket? Yeah, and I and I also see this idea that if you're not um, furious about getting out, then you have insufficient passion for the game. <laughs> I've yeah, seen that. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that argued. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, well, yes. Yes. Indeed. Uh, they just want it more, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Who want it more? I mean, actually, I got I got a bad decision at the weekend, and um, and uh, I just walked off. Oh. Obviously, I don't want it enough. <laughs> exactly. yeah. You walked out to smash someone's car, though. Yeah, didn't you? Yeah. break a window. Know, yeah. yeah. Do you reckon? Do you reckon with the like with the Australian perception? Do we do we ask more of our Australian players? Because I'm thinking, even in the last couple of years, Josh Butler saying to Vernon Philander to fuck off or whatever he mm. said. Coley getting bold, not walking. I feel like there are other flashpoints in international cricket. The consistency, the consistency of them, however, may be slightly higher in Australian games, but maybe as a public we demand more of our players. We want them to be the best players we've ever seen in our life. Mm. We want them to be great blokes, humanitarians. We want them to babysit. We want them to be funny. Mm. So is, is, is there something about – it does happen with other countries, but we expect more from Australians. It does. This is the only country in the world that has made it into a kind of a philosophy. Mm. Yeah, true, it? Like true, a, true. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's part of our battle plan to right. be meaner and nastier and, and, and cheaper than, mm. the, than the opposition. 
uh, you know, we're, we're perversely proud of it. We don't regard it as, um, as sort of a naturally occurring phenomenon of, of, um, of red-blooded cricketers. We actually give considerable thought to, um, to that approach on the field yeah. and have made it part of a strategy. Yeah, strategize it. Yeah, that's right. We don't, don't we? Yeah. It's good that it works. Yeah, it works. So that's the main thing. <laughs> the tougher you are, just be hard and yeah. tough in everything you do. Yeah. Um, seems to work. Well, w- th- there was a symbolic defeat of Australia at the Gabba, Gideon, and it's uh, by, at the hands of India. And it's part of why we want to get you in because we've noticed on your excellent podcast, you've interviewed Ramachandra Guha, you've inter- mm. interviewed Simon Kadich uh, about the IPL and how, yeah, and how that yeah. works. And, you know, where we have for the last couple of months really tried to dive into cricket in India in recognition, mm. as we say, kind of, um, I, I guess, in a ostentatious way, the Asian century, mm. you know. Uh, how do you feel Australia is adjusting or learning, just speak on behalf of the nation, if you yeah. will, learning about the new reality of the power of the Asian century? Well, I mean, we've talked about this for a long time. I think we probably started talking about it around about 1987 when uh, when the first World Cup was held in the subcontinent and then, and then again in 1996. But that was... Uh, Asia and the subcontinent as a mm. collective. This is the Indian century that we're talking about now. Mm. Pakistan and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka are almost by the way. India is um, is the global hegemon, uh, has been financially for for quite a long time, and now is on field as well. Uh, it was perhaps it was inevitable those two forces would coincide. Perhaps they've taken their time in doing so, but we've well and truly arrived. Mm. Mm. Do you think? Um, do you think that the fear with the fear, so scared of India now. Like mm-hmm. the the fear is that India have like got their act together, yeah. sort of inverted commas, as opposed to I compare this Indian team heading towards what the Australian team achieved for maybe 12, 15 years in the 90s and early parts of 2000. Whereas that appears now, the evidence is that that was a golden generation of players mm, where the yeah. depth was. But yes. the fear is with India, and I keep using fear because I'm scared of everything and fear mm. governs all, is that <laughs> no, there are – Kids, there are heaps of people in India. I checked. There's, there's yeah. lots. They, I lot, don't even know. Uh, lots yeah. live there. Um, and so they've kind of got their act mm. together. You know, yeah. is, is that the kind of fear, do you think? It's certainly a more geographically diverse game than it used to be in India. Mm, I mean, right. that's what Ram was talking about a few weeks ago, about how uh, a, a game that had principally been confined to the major metropolitan areas of India has genuinely spread all over the, all over the country and is now drawing on a, a huge and enthusiastic talent base. Mm. Uh and from a financial point of view, uh, in a culture in a country that's as ethnically and culturally and religiously and linguistically diverse as India, cricket is has awesome cut through mm. from a commercial point of view. Mm. If you want to access a market in the middle class for consumer durables or uh, or leisure products, the way that you do it. Is through cricket. Mm. Nothing has anything like the same cultural weight as uh, as, as the game in India. Mm. Mm. One thing that uh, Ramachandra Guha said. What do you call him, Ram? Yeah, I don't Ram. know what. I, yeah. oh, I don't know yeah. him, so I know how to nickname him. Mm. I know he's a polarizing guy, judging by a lot of the comments <laughs> underneath. But one thing he said, uh, and I can't remember the question you asked him, but it was about trying to put into perspective the sort of authoritarian control that people sense the BCCI is. Um, um, you know, using with cricket at the moment. Mm. And he said, well, you need to understand this from a historical perspective mm, yeah. and that uh, e- England essentially did the same thing. Australia, when it had mm, its time, did the mm. same thing and India's doing no different. I mean, do you subscribe to that theory? Uh, because it's a form of soft power politics. Yeah, and, and yeah. that, you know, once you do get control of cricket, well, every country that has beforehand has um, run it exactly how they want to. 
pretty powerful symbolism, wasn't it, during the Test match in Ahmedabad where they named the stadium Narendra Modi <laughs> Stadium and one end's for Adani and the other end's for Reliance. Yeah. It's pretty, a bit hard to miss the message, isn't it? Uh, I think, though, it, it is certainly true that, um, that uh, politics and, and cricket in India have always interpenetrated, that there has been a political dimension to all the BCCI's activities. I think in this particular generation and under this particular government, the alignment of, of cricket and politics has reached... Uh, an unprecedented pass when the son of the of the Home Minister uh, Jay Shah is on the is the secretary of the BCCI and Aaron Singh Damal, who's the brother of um, Anurag Takur, um, a BJP heavy hitter from Himachal Pradesh, uh, is the, is the treasurer. Um, so the, the the BJP in um, in the in the last seven years has been systematically subverting basically all the powerful institutions in India and the BCCI is is one of them. And it has, as I said, you know, extraordinary cultural weight and heft. Mm. So heaps of things you said there that I don't really know. I don't know what that means, but um, that's all right. That's for us to learn. I felt like a, a, a bit of a flashpoint in the... Um, or a bit of a lightning rod for the resting of control over cricket and what cricket is came in the conversation about pitches mm. between England mm. and India mm. uh, and a sort of um, you know mediate over Twitter, a great place to mediate these things. That's and I right. know you don't have an account or you claim not to have a burner mm. account, but um, <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. Sure, um, <laughs> on your flip phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there seemed to be a conversation about you know what a good pitch was mm, and sure. a good what a good pitch was was pretty much dependent upon where you were from um, yeah, sure. and what's proper cricket yeah. and what's and what's yeah. not is the behavior of the ball off a wicket well it's dependent upon what you grew up with uh, we have had these conversations before though they are not unique to this particular generation or, or to this particular series uh, it's almost a it's a hardy perennial isn't it um, in so, in some respects uh, it, I think that um, England could regard it as a bit of a tribute that uh, that India roll out pitches like these for the That's last right. three Test matches. A compliment, yeah. yeah. And the the other thing is that they don't have to. They frankly they don't have to anymore. Their their fast bowling ranks are so deep and mm. so strong that they can win under basically any conditions. I would not be surprised if they got the better of England this summer. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I suppose when you look at the English spinners, though, they're like ours are a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Axar Patel, who's yeah. he? We'll never see him again. Yeah, twenty-seven wickets at ten. Yeah, are we ever going to see him again? Yeah. Do you reckon? It's amazing, wasn't he? It was yeah. like he was he was absolutely the perfect bowler for yeah. those for those yeah. conditions, wasn't he? Tall, yeah. get it into yeah. the wicket, and even bowling with the pink ball. Yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Somehow yeah. better. Yeah. yeah, somehow better. Yeah, yeah. The ball got faster off the wicket. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, did, what what did you make of the the pitches or the cricket? You know, when when you watched particularly the the second test, but then I suppose the third test with the pink ball. Did you feel like you were watching – I mean, you've watched so much cricket at, in so many different places. Did it feel like you were watching something that was a bit perverted from what you understand cricket to be? Or, really. or no, no, how did that make you feel? I love watching cricket like this, mm. quite frankly. Uh, and I love watching India play cricket like this. You know, my my first introduction to the Indian cricket team was in 77-8 and they had a battery of absolutely magnificent world-class spinners – and for a kid in the 1970s in Australia who'd been brought up to think that cricket was about knocking other blokes' heads off, mm-hmm. to see Beatty and Chandra, Venkat and Prasanna in Australia in 77-8 was an absolute revelation. Um, I, in some respects, I, you know, I identify India so 
much with spinners still that I'm delighted when I see a, a new generation of them. Mm. And wasn't it phenomenal that um, I think Jadeja is one of the first players I'd pick in any Indian yeah. team, but he wasn't available and they had an almost perfect substitute for him. He just walked straight in. Yeah, uh, I love watching Ashwin. I think there's he's a, he's a very substantial cricketer now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got tremendous presence on the on the cricket field. Uh, he doesn't he backs out of no contest. He'll bowl absolutely anywhere. I loved him in Australia this summer. I loved mm. him when I first saw him in Australia. So you know, this is a really compelling Indian team to watch. If they were playing sort of unattractive cricket that didn't appeal to me, perhaps I'd feel different about the Indian cricket hegemon. But mm. but I actually really mm. love watching this team. Mm. Are they on the verge of the, a sort of dominance that we've only seen from a few teams historically, in, in your view? Well, it'd be nice. It'd be a nice change. We're actually due for a dynasty, aren't we? It's yeah. been a long time since since yeah. we've had one. Mm. Uh, I, I, I feared that we'd maybe seen the last dynasty when, uh, when as Australia's kind of star faded in the um, towards the uh, towards the end of the last decade. Uh, international competition has been very, very even for a long time. You've got the sense at times that anyone could beat anybody else on on any particular day, and that home ground conditions are kind of transcendently influential. But if India can become a great team, then you know more power to them. There's something about seeing a great team in your era. That's uh, that's that's compelling and forces other countries to measure up. Mm. It's really funny with Australia because I feel like Australia were very close to being a great team, but they never tipped over. This current team, this current team, mm. yeah, this current team. The, the, the bowling attack has felt like well, this is a generational bowling attack. You know, wonderful balanced guys like Pattinson can't even make the side, etc. You know, this mm. kind of gear line just seems to um, accompany the pace mm. attack and what they bring mm. perfectly. But the batting, then Marnus comes along and it's mm. like. They're really close. Now they've got a three and four. Mm. And then Warner's form dips away. Then they're trying to figure it out. And then Matthew Wade's back on the side. They haven't got that other open. Bukowski's mm. in now. Um, you know, Kawaja's had to go at the top. Marcus Harris. They haven't quite tipped it over. And then six, the number six batting position has never been quite locked down. But then India just come in and won essentially one series because the last away series they played was against New Zealand and they got pumped. Mm. <laughs> but now it's like there seems to have um, usurped Australia for the potential to be this amazing, great team, right? Well, perhaps it is a weight of numbers argument. You know, in Australia's case, of course, uh, we are, we have six state sides, yeah. which we extend to eight BBL franchises, and from that we kind of we try to pick three international sides, mm. and we have a lot of players of around about the same capacity and ability mm. in international cricket. We have a concentration of stars. Mm. I think we've got the second and third ranked Test batsmen in the world. We've got the first and fourth ranked test bowler in the world, mm. uh, but we only rank third in test cricket and fourth in ODIs, second in T20s, but the T20 rankings are terribly volatile and, and some potentially misleading. Yeah. What does that tell us about our cricket? Mm. We've got some great world-class players, but we're a middle-ranked team. So the standard obviously falls away from that central kind of constellation. Where perhaps we're trying to do too much with too little. Mm. Meanwhile... India picks eight IPL franchises from 30 first-class sides. There mm. are a hell of a lot of good players mm. in India working in a very, very Darwinian cricket system where you have to absolutely clamber mm. your way to the top. Um, I remember my friend Andrew Walton. I don't know whether you guys know Andrew. Yeah. We talked to Andrew last week. Yeah. Great, and great he's been point. on the show twice. Well, he's a my cricket guy. He told you about you know, his impressions of going to the coach at the Karnataka Cricket Academy. Um, and... You know, talking to generations of sort of the, the, the young cricketers in his group, sort of from 16 to 20, and asking them, you know, uh, you know what their record was like at the junior level. 
you know, how many hundreds have you made? Mm. Oh, I've only made about 80 hundreds. <laughs> and, you know, there are guys knocking around in grade cricket. I know you guys are great about, you know, reinforcing the stereotype of grade cricket being the strongest standard of cricket anywhere in the world below first class level. But there are blokes knocking around in grade cricket who've, you know, Never made a first grade hundred. That's right. Yeah. Playing then, first grade. Yeah, playing yeah. first grade. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, only, I only had about 80 as well. 80 hundreds. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, quite weak. Yeah. Quite weak. It's one that's why I never made it. <laughs> do, you, do you anticipate that uh, any Australian opportunity to beat India over there next year will require a, a lot of lateral thinking about the sorts of players you take over there? You know, do, do you think it will have to be a sort of an Asia-specific side? Is it, does Maxwell come into contention? I know this is a very Fox Sports kind of question. Yeah. Uh, but Well, look, we did do a good job, didn't we, in 2017? Mm. You know, we prepared seriously. Um, we were determined to, uh, to, to make a mark. We, we paid India their due. That Pune test uh, is one mm. of the best test matches I've ever been to uh, because, you know, it was – they were – mentally so strong they they reconciled themselves to the fact that they'd be beaten on the outside of the bat they had to protect their stumps that the, the wicket to wicket ball was the one that was really threatening them i've never seen australian batsmen beaten so often but somehow it didn't discompose them and they won the test match in conditions that an indian team otherwise would have would have thrived in uh, they gradually got overtaken in the course of that series by some smart picking from uh, from from india um, and you know just the, the the general attrition over the over the course of a series, but you know Australia could feel very proud of what they achieved in 2017, and if they do as well next year, then um, uh, then they'll also have a lot to take away. Mm. But but they're going to have to take it with with a degree of seriousness that India now involves. Mm. I'll ask you about Rohit Sharma because I wonder what his legacy in the game will be. I imagine automatically he'd be one of the greatest ever mm. short form players. Mm. Wonderful record in short form. In Test cricket, he averages what 82, 85, 80-something at home, twenty-five away. I mean, what what's that? That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's like a few Australians. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We've, but not we've, that not that disparity. Not, I mean, well, what's Warner average away and what's Warner average at yeah, home? Yeah, sure. You know, sure. we we we're not unfamiliar with that concept of the of the of the line at home and the lamb away. Mm. 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 Yeah, I suppose so. So Sharma's basically Warner. <laughs> yeah, not as good, but. <laughs> Move along. Uh, I mean, it, I, I suppose it is related because they're talking about the way Australia um, interacts with India and, and its place in world cricket in relation mm. to India now and adjusting to that. But uh, mm. there is a, a remainder of the cricket world as well that Australia doesn't seem to be serving uh, as well yeah. or with as much attention. And I know you've written about this mm. uh, in particular about Australia's position as a, a global citizen in cricket and it um, mm. not being regarded very highly around the cricket world at the moment. I mean, no, no. Um, I noticed Nick Hockley came out overnight and said, you know, we'd like to reschedule the South Africa series as soon as possible, providing it's safe to do so. And it sounds like South Africa was seriously aggrieved about it to the point mm. where, you know, there's going to be some um, official movements, you know, on, yeah, on to, to that yeah. point. Uh, you know, what is – is that casting of Australia as a poor global cricketing citizen fair and, and what can it do to fix it if so? Yeah, totally. I argued it a few weeks ago. Um, I think that we've been a, a, a declining global citizen in cricket probably since – uh, we made a run to get John Howard as president um, back in 2010. Uh, I think when we didn't get it over the line, we got our noses out of joint. We kind of went, oh, well, if that's the way you want it, that's the way it'll be. We'll just turn up. We'll play our Ashes series. We'll play our Border Gavaskar trophy and the rest of it. Well, you know, you can take your chances. Then we rode on the coattails of India and England in the, in the big three um, shakedown in 2014. 
which I think we have every reason to be absolutely ashamed of. And ever since then, we've kind of been a bit apathetic about ICC. It's pretty easy to get, you know, talk to an administrator about the ICC and you'll get the role of the eyes and the, and the kind of the indifference to the fact that we're actually meant to be a member of it and a leading member of it. And we're, we're in fact, we're a foundational member of it. But we, uh, we pay it lip service. We're, we're, in, we're interested in what the ICC can do for us rather than vice versa. When you talk about that, I mean, the question that comes into my head is if that's Australia's position in terms of world cricket and it's such a, um, an important player in world cricket and, and historically so, how is cricket going? I mean, where do you think it's going? I know that's a broad question, mm. but is, is, is cricket in a good state of health from what you see? You obviously have your tentacles in of what's going on at the yeah. ICC in India, etc. Where's cricket? It's hard to generalise, actually. It's yeah. hard to generalise after a season that's been so unusual. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of things that... You know, it, I get to the end of this season, I'm grateful that we got a cricket season, frankly, when, mm. you know, even two weeks before the first test, it was by no means clear that we'd get uh, the full complement of, of test matches and we'd get um, uh, most of the BBL. I, it's it's amazing that CEA has been able to pull this summer off, considering how capriciously state governments have, uh, have exercised border controls and, uh, and how the risk of a mistake... Um, was is evident in what's happened in the PSL, um, what happened with England's tour of South Africa. You know, we were we were kind of we were microbes away from from a from a calamity, and we've got to the end, and we've actually done pretty well. And uh, maybe we've, we're at risk of taking it for granted, but it wasn't. Um, none of it came easy. So it's hard to say whether you know, whether this is a true reflection of, uh, of of what Australian cricket looks like. But I think that those things that I said before about the national team are true. You know, we are we are marking time. We have marked time since since two thousand eighteen. Uh, we we've been on one tour, one test tour since two thousand eighteen too, to, mm. to England in two thousand nineteen. Mm. That's not Australia pulling its weight as a as a global citizen. I, I find it amazing that um, that uh, local fans are as tolerant as that as as they are. I think we should be asking serious questions about um, about cricket Australia's mo. How do we have a stand in chief executive? After nine months, nine months after the last one got the boot, uh, there's a flag of truce being flown between CA and the state associations rather than peace, but I think there's unfinished business there. Um, Australia's just... I find it weird that Australia's playing so little. How can we mm. be not having a test match until late November, early December? How is how is that right? How do we work that? Um the women's cricket system, to me, seems that the, the women don't seem to be playing enough, or not as much as they should be, considering the, the professionalisation of, of their game. We've got a World Cup coming up, but um, and we managed to maintain the women's BBL and the, and the WNCL this summer. But uh, women seem to practice an awful lot and play not very much. So I think there are all sorts of reasons to be um, to express misgivings about where we're going in Australia uh, but I wouldn't want to be too condemnatory considering the unusual nature of, of this season I'd like to wait another year before I um, before I came to any conclusions you, you look at you look at the sacrifices that the West Indies made for instance in the UK last yeah. summer made a 50% pay cut just to yep. even play the play the games um, and then you look at that England tour of South Africa and I think there was an outbreak when they were on the tour, right? Mm. Was there was that what the fear was, and then England got out of there real quick, yeah. probably because they had nine tests against India coming up, right? And yeah. I wonder if cricket South Africa 
sort of had that experience and then they were like, okay, that was a big tour. We've lost a lot of money. Then Australia, they would have set up all these parameters so that the tour happened and then Australia didn't even bother going over there. So I wonder if it's sort of compounded by England leaving as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is that I think we needed this tour as much as they needed it. Mm. Um, you know, the, uh, the the rift in the loot at the end of the um, Indian tour of Australia, the, the sort of the foie between um, between Langer and the players, mm. uh, it actually needed the team to get back together yeah. and to get playing cricket again. Mm. Uh, uh, now we've got sort of nine months of, of thinking about how people are getting on. Yeah, it's um, weird, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It is weird. Like, it was weird for us. Uh, mm. Okay, Gideon, we've taken up a lot of your time. Can you tell us what's on the horizon for you? You know, how does how does one consume more G Hague other than to follow you <laughs> as a player on my cricket? Uh, it's got a finals game coming up. It sounds like. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, cricket etc. will teeter on mm. perpetually on the brink of chaos. But uh, <laughs> I can't believe uh, cricket etc. permitted you to to come onto this rival cast as well. You just don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great cast. Yeah, cross promotion, to cross yeah, promotion indeed. opportunity. You got a much bigger audience than, yeah. than we have. Yeah, no, so, I didn't get yeah. the invite back, but it's all good. <laughs> it always um, happens. What else have we got? Um, we've got. Uh, I've got a book coming out in the middle of the year um, called uh, "The Brilliant Boy: H. V. Evatt and the Great Australian Descent." It's um, it's a book about uh, it's a book about the law of torts in Australia. Ah, well, I know. Cricket is a game of laws, not rules. It is, so, yeah, right. quite yeah. so, quite so, quite so. Um, if it was, and if it was a cricket fan, if it was a um, was a great uh, Balmain cricket supporter, okay. Uh, but the, the cricket content is is minimal. It, um, it's a piece of sort of long form narrative uh, history. Uh, I've got a book about there. Uh, I've got a commission history of the um, of Parliament House coming out at the end of the year, uh, and I've got a little bit of. Cricket true crime oh. coming your way. About to get to <laughs> work on that. You can't talk too much about can't that. Talk understand, too much about cricket that, true but crime. Uh, but it's good fun. A little bit of an Ashes inflection. A oh. little bit of a uh, little bit of frontier justice. Uh, so uh, so look out for that. I'll be self publishing that because I um I actually self published a couple of books last year. Yeah. Took a bigger was, margin. Well, it actually, yeah, I was just experimenting with the, uh, with the with the format, and um, you find you, know, you didn't, pay, you know, didn't get paid ten cents a book or something. Well, that's it. You know, the, um, <laughs> I know that experience. It, it is sort of. I'm not wanting to be um, too fine a point on it, but you know, publishing in Australia is a form of sort of plantation slavery, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. so it was. It was quite. Uh, it was quite salutary to see um, you know, how much more fun it was to control every aspect of the of the process. Mm. Uh, and to, to to maintain total quality control, and actually to, to deal directly with readers, you know, when you when you're soliciting orders from people on email, you really do get to know them and mm. where you're being read and why people are reading you and how they're reading you. Mm. Uh, I actually found it a really interesting experience, so I'm prepared to do it again. Is the true crime with the ashes tinged to it? Is that actually about when Matthew Hayden smashed the door at the SCG? Is it an investigation into that after an ashes dismissal? Mm. No. <laughs> That'd be good though. It's, it's more, it's more, um, it's more esoteric than that. Okay. But it's kind of fascinating. It's um, right, well, it'd be really surprising. Classic yeah. cricket stories <laughs> that you come across and you go, 
why didn't I know about that already? Right. I yeah. really should have. Yeah. Why how why is that falling down the crack? So I'm um, so so looking forward to that in the second half of the year. And and you would have a clue about the book industry. You what what book number is this? 35, 40? No, no, 41, I 41. 41. Well that's 50. Yeah. <laughs> Round that up. Yeah. You round it up. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There you go. About play, 50. You got about 50. Play the hits. Yeah. 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 You do your frontier yeah. justice stuff. I'll do the roundup <laughs> stuff. Okay. Gideon Hag, uh, huge privilege to have you on. Thank you for your wisdom and your insights. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people very interested in your views, particularly around, you know, how Australians uh, understand India as well. So thanks for coming into TJC Towers. I'll be, call, I'll, be, I'll be calling this in next summer. You realise yeah. that, don't you? Of course. Yeah, having seen how close you are to Como Park. <laughs> there's, there's no escaping I was actually going to give you a call to come have a net but then I popped my left hamstring yeah. and then my lower back so I'm, my body's falling apart and you so. had anything else on yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> cheers kids okay see ya you Jordan six for nine and cock him out and cock him out and cock him out that's Ben Stokes' old club isn't it Cockamouth Cricket Club. Huge job, six for nine. Six for nine. Six for nine. And cockamouth. Huge job. Nice, Gary! He goes, as we've mentioned... Uh, at the top of the show and throughout the show. We're taking a break after this, after 150 of your podcasting episodes. Mm-hmm. And um, for the most part, we have been supported just exceptionally well by Budgie Smuggler. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was fortunate enough last week to sit down and catch up with CEO of Budgie Smuggler, Adam Limforth, and also, um, I'm, I'm loath to say his title, but... He's looking like a 2IC to me, Brendan Hartman, right? They do a fantastic job out of Manly there. There's, mm-hmm. there's a whole there's a whole stuff. Yeah. I had no idea how successful this Austra- this iconic Australian company um, is. Sure you've asked more money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I sat down and presented, yeah. you know, the, the number of people who would hear about Budgie Smuggler on our show, and I was like, hmm, well done, boys. Yeah. That's little cute. little pat on the head, <laughs> and then Steve O'Keefe came. But that's yeah, a separate issue. That's a separate issue, and it was an issue. But talking to these guys, uh, th- these guys are going to um, look. And this is me saying this is not them, mm-hmm. but they're they're going to take over. They're going to overtake speedos. They're going to overtake bonds. I reckon huge call. Mm-hmm. But th- this is a classic iconic. Australian company. You go down to their store in Manly, their bricks and mortar store. They got one at Bondi as well. They yeah. got stuff in London. Yeah, um, it's so colourful. There are so many pairs of budgie smugglers available and accessories. I actually I had not appreciated it. Um, they got star. They got they got a staff member in France. They, like pe- the people want budgie smuggler. The people are calling for budgie smuggler in their lives. Everybody is told budgie smuggler. I'm going to let you in a little secret. I'm going to lift the hood a little bit. You know, when you're in this kind of um, swimwear, clothing, merchandising game, mm. people will talk out the sides of their mouths and say, like, you get that made in China, don't you? You get that made in India, don't you? Right. You know? And and Linny, to his deep credit, has said, no, this is an Australian company, Australian made. Mm. It is part of the brand. It's it's about making um, – it, it's more than just – just making swimwear for people. Mm. We're going to get it's Australians to make it in China. It is, <laughs> it's, it, it, is, <laughs> it is supporting Australians to kind of um, 
be part of the culture and to and to improve the culture, right? That's that's my tagline, not theirs. Mm-hmm. COVID hits. If Lenny had gone with China, um, India, or whatever, in trouble, as it turns out, he was made in Australia, and it assisted their business to keep on going. They got a reward out of that, mm-hmm. and I just see. So this is an earnest shout out to a thriving company who supported us from the start, didn't need to, mm-hmm. who are going really well themselves. Um, and, you know, continue to love to listen to, to these ads. And I guess as we go into a break, if if you have been thinking about getting something from Budget Smuggler or you just want to check it out, mm. uh, support them. Support a company doing it the right way. Uh, budgiesmuggler.com.au. Use the code CHAMP for free shipping. Okay, I will. Now, Pez, Manscaped. Manscaped is back, baby. Manscaped. <laughs> Support for the great cricketer comes from Manscaped TM, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, if you have them. Mm. If you have them. Now That's a crown reference. Well, I reckon the crown depicted them all right? Um... Yeah, I, why, yeah. What, what the fuck do I know? Yeah, well. <laughs> I watched the thing on Netflix, so I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, now. yeah. that's the classic line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't realise Charles was like that. Yeah. Does Charles scape? Because I haven't watched all of Crown. No, he, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He, doesn't. He, wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't call him a scaper. I wouldn't call him a scaper. Yeah. Nah. But you are. Oh, yeah. Well, I have self-respect. Where are you at at the moment? You got the scaper in the shower. Yeah, shower. That's where it yeah. lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Waterproof. And are you, are you sort of like? A, is it just a daily occurrence? Like, are you look down. You're like, mm, yeah, best uh, best trim. Well, I don't schedule it in. Um, it's just a, it's just a when when the moment strikes. As and when, as, as, and they, when. as they say in the UK. Yeah, usually right. one of those words will suffice, but chuck both in. It sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> as and when. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. Well, um. Let's say get the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. You've got the Crop Preserver in there. Um, that's helping out with sweaty and stinky balls. Uh, the Crop Reviver, some mm-hmm. stuff you can wipe on there as well. Mm-hmm. Products smell good, sense attractive. Um, you know, the, the actually the Perfect Package will come for, with a pair of Manscaped boxes that will keep your junk feeling fresh. I'm not a boxes guy, to be fair. Um, but they're anti-chafing, apparently. Uh, but that's the perfect package 3.0. Inside that is the lawnmower 3.0. That's the big baby that actually mm. gets rid mm. of the main uh, sort of foliage you're trying to deal with mm. down there. You can put it on your balls and it won't cut your balls if you listen to that for the first time. Okay. Is that good advertising reading? I don't know. It's just true. I'm just telling you as a person. Anyone can buy this as a gift. Yep. For the partners out there. Yep. For the man in your life. Yep. Use the code TGC. For 20% off. Hey, it's a great deal. Hey, everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. TJC at manscaped.com. Yeah, use that code TJC. 20% off with free shipping. According to this copy, your balls will thank you. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there it is. Here we are. We're at that time again. Hashtag ICDC. Wonderful show. Wonderful to speak to Niche. Wonderful to speak to Gideon. Although, as I say that, that has not been recorded yet. And anything could happen between now and then. One day it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> Almost definitely. Now, Pez, as we've mentioned 85 times in the show, we're going to take a little break after this. So I thought I thought now would be a really good time to um, to say thank you to, um, well, everyone out there listening, everyone out there watching. Uh, it's been an enormous 12 months for, I think, a lot of people all around the world. Um, and I know 
that uh, for for me personally speaking, uh, a lot of moments this year has been some of the hardest I've ever had to endure. Um, obviously moved down to Melbourne. Um, a week before lockdown. A week before we went into stage before, four lockdown. A week before we entered into lockdown a stan. That's right. Um, so yeah. And one of the things that has helped me enormously is to be able to like do this with you, Pez, and to speak to speak to the audience out there on the internet. It's been um, incredibly therapeutic for me personally. And like the 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 messages that we've got, and I'm no no exaggeration, would be dozens, dozens and dozens of people who have sent lovely messages um, saying that they really appreciate listening to us every week, which is amazing. And I think we've said a number of times in the past, we'd never ever take for granted the, the audience that we're lucky enough to have and the people that we get to speak to. And um, so I want to say a sincere thank you for the people out there watching or listening um, for uh, for helping me get through the last 12 months. Obviously, it's been a really hard year. I know in the UK just now, it's just starting to, they've got a roadmap out of it. They can drink in the park with one friend now, I believe. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's been really touching and really overwhelming in a lot of ways that people send your messages and say that they that we've helped them get through a tough time in lockdown as well. So um, we're not going away forever. We're just going away for about a month mm. uh, and then we're going to do this all over again. But it's been, I think we've done about um, 32 episodes in a row. And it's like every time we do these pairs, it's like a school project. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, obviously you organize all the guests and all the production that we do and, and uh, all the stuff that goes out. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's really rewarding that we get to speak to you guys every week. So oh, to that end. And I, just, just before you get to that, you've just called me out, but a huge shout out to you as well. I don't think uh, many people would know this, know how the sausage is made. <laughs> Manscaped.com. <laughs> but Higos has taken on the lion's share of the production of the show since moving down, which includes a whole, a whole ton of equipment, knowing how to work it, editing the show, publishing the show, publishing it to YouTube, learning how to do that. And thanks to people who've joined us on YouTube as well. Um, more time goes into putting the show up than actually recording it. Yeah. Uh, and we are so grateful for what we are able to do and whatnot. But he goes, you've pulled some serious hours. Now, we never want to get into the area of, you know, pity us as um, mm. freelancers. Self-flagellation. You know? That's right. It's not going to – it's not how we roll. We love what we do and we're really grateful for it as well. But he goes, has pulled some serious hours in the last uh, um, couple of months or, you know, even even beyond that as well. So, it's yeah, it's been a team effort so far and um, it's – being great to be able to do and and to have support from people through coronavirus where things have been difficult is um is something we're eternally grateful for so even for those who don't message because you've got lives yeah. um thank you just for the click and f- <laughs> and for us being in your ears <laughs> yeah well said well um this sort of this sort of run we took two weeks off in november which wasn't <laughs> really a break at all but uh we started this season back uh with episode 117 a natural vector of disease uh, that was that was, that was Boris that Johnson's. Was, <laughs> 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 fucking hell! So much has happened since then, man. Uh, fucking hell! Um, but that was that was the best part of nine months ago now. Uh, so that was. Uh, so I want to thank since then Tim Breslin, Steve O'Keefe, Jonathan Wilson, Monty Panasar, Jason Gillespie, Josh Hazelwood, Sam Robson, Barney Rone, Jack Leach, Mitchell Stark, Matthew Hayden, Steve Finn, Rob Key, Brennan Julian, Ricky Ponting was on the show. Mm. Trent Bolt, Ryan Sidebottom, Sam Billings, Harry Conway, Mike, Mike Whitney, Chris Rogers, Travis Head. Shane Lee, Zach Crawley, Ashton Agar, Damien Fleming, Neil Wagner, Jason Crozier, Adam Gilchrist, Marnus Lubbershane, Sir Kirtley Ambrose, mm. Meg Lanning, Steve Smith, Ed Cowan, Greg Chappell, Mark War, the <laughs> eye, the eye poke, <laughs> the, the eye poke story. story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kevin Rudd was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Ian Chappell, Michael Bevan, Jason Holder, Josh Layla, Callum Ferguson, Glenn McGrath, Darwin Milan, Tim Southey, Sam Curran, Pete Hanscom, Will Bukowski, Usman Kwaja, Marcus Harris, Steve O'Keefe, Greg Blewett, Mark Butcher, Colin Miller, Shane Watson, Gideon Hay, and Jimmy Nation. Um, that's who we've been able to speak to because you guys listen to us every week on the internet. So thank you very much um, to those people for coming on. And they also do listen as well. But especially that's- the iPoke story. <laughs> I must have listened to that fucking 30 times, oh, man. man. It's the best It'll thing to do. Save your life. <laughs> It'll do something. All right. Hashtag RCDC. Anon writes in, Dear Pesla and Higlod. <laughs> Boys! Oh, fuck. <laughs> This season was the season I finally made the decision to step away from cricket in a playing capacity and give the game away. I made this decision knowing that you guys would be proud of me in giving the game away. However, my dad thinks otherwise and believes I should still be playing cricket and strive towards playing higher level cricket. No chance. I'm no prodigy when it comes to cricketing ability. I've got no interest in playing cricket. I mean, who the fuck wants to face Boomer when he bowls it from cover? Who wants to cop it from Ben Stokes at Headingley when he was an absolute worldie and wins a test match single-handedly? And why the fuck would I want to play cricket in New Zealand? (laughs) You can't tell the difference between the pitch and the outfield. They're both green as fuck. Shit sport, cricket is. Anyway, I digress. Not playing this year has given me some inner peace that I very much enjoyed. No more wasting my time and training for two to three hours every Tuesday and Thursday night. No more selection nights that are about as tedious as watching Joe Burns face India. And best of all, I've got my Saturdays back to do as I please. I can sleep in without the anxiety of having to play cricket. I have the freedom to do what I want. Drinking beers while watching the boys field in 40 degrees is honestly the best thing. My friends from outside cricket and I catch up regularly on Saturdays now and socialise. It's a hell of a lot better than chasing leather all afternoon. Safe to say life is good. All right, mate. On the weekend before Christmas, my friends and I decided to go to a baseball game on the Saturday night. We caught up with some other friends of ours, had a few beers. It was the first time we'd ever been to a baseball game, and we had a good time. It was anticipated there would be a nice, casual night. A couple of beers, baseball, out for dinner, home at a reasonable hour. Until our ride back to one of our places, one of the girls in the car says, So, we going out tonight? In a heartbeat, the other girl yells out, Absolutely we are. They then turn to me and ask if I'm, a, if I'm going for a night on the town with them. I guess I have no other choice. Not that it's a bad thing or anything. I was hoping to save some coin after three Christmas parties in the previous two weeks, including one very expensive night where I lost a game of credit card roulette while out for dinner with some work colleagues after my work Christmas party. Fuck. Safe to say, I had no life savings after that, but still better than paying my subs for cricket, right? So anyway, my friends and I had a night on the circuit. What a time to be alive. We went to a nightclub that is, that is reliable but doesn't take in your breath away in terms of a good time. We're circuiting. Bump into some other friends as the night goes on. Good times indeed. The night takes a turn when I become friendly with a female I meet and acquaint myself with her. Long story short, as fate would have it, we went back to her place and I secured the chop. All in all, pretty good Saturday, right? Didn't play cricket, had a good time, got the chop. Good time indeed. And fun fact, it was the second time ever at this nightclub. Second time visitor. Also, the second time I got a chop from visiting said place. Two from two is a pretty good conversion rate, hey? To use a cricketing analogy, going at a strike rate of 100 is very nice. Flex. On a high from the night before, the next morning when I tried to discreetly leave the house I stayed at, I noticed a cricket oval across the road from my house. I climb into the Uber waiting for me, but I realize that the cricket ground across the road doesn't hold happy memories for me. 
I remember that this was a ground where I had an unfortunate accident in the toilets when I was playing there in under, under 11s. In other words, I shat myself after a week of food poisoning leading up to the game. Not a good start. I also realised I have made four ducks at this ground over the years, including a diamond duck in the first over of a match. And I've got a solid, I've got a solid, solid batting average of one run here. Pretty dismal for an opening batsman. These old haunting flashbacks are all of a sudden giving me some PTSD. Very unhappy memories. Oh, and I forgot to mention, a TGC reference comes up the morning post-chop. My acquaintance from the night asks how I was getting home. I said I've organised a ride for myself. She then proceeds to say, Order the Uber, have you? A la Ricky Ponting. I'm sitting in this Uber with a guilty conscience. I have a moral dilemma I'm confronted with. Gents, my question is this. With this guilty conscience I have, do I look to return to cricket? To right the wrongs of the experiences I've had at this ground in question? It's not the only ground that holds some demons for me. So this is a sign to say is should give it one last crack to try and get the most out of myself? Or do I turn a blind eye to this and marvel at the fact that my two from two chopping conversion rate slash 100% strike rate at a certain nightclub is a higher accomplishment than batting average I have at a particular cricket ground. Would love your expert opinion on what's best for me here. Circuiting and getting sourced on Saturday seems too good to pass up for the time being while I'm in my early 20s. Cricket has deprived me of a proper social life all these years. Shock. So we'd love your perspective here. Cheers, Anon. <laughs> okay. Uh, just. Wow. 1,035 words to say had sex twice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not. And thank you for the for the message. Obviously, I put my word docs for preparation here in size fourteen typeface to be able to see it. That was three pages. Yeah. Now we know this genre. He goes. Yeah. There, there is no question for him. All he has done is loosely related mm. the fact that he got sex at a place where he failed as a child playing cricket mm-hmm. and got sick once. Mm-hmm. And he's used that to go, should I go around again or mm. should I keep getting sex the way I currently am? Yes. And congratulations, as long as everybody's happy in that situation or yeah. whatever. If you're happy doing that, fantastic. Don't pretend for a second that this letter was anything other than wanting to brag to many people or just to hear it back, knowing many people will listen, that that happened. Mm. This has got nothing to do with cricket. You don't want to play cricket. The, the idea that you, <laughs> you, re, you go back to play cricket because you – didn't score runs at a ground yeah. when you're 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard of that oh, before. Oh, should I go back and Should fail? I go back and right the wrongs? What yeah. do we Shut play, the fuck up. Do we play cricket to to ensure that we've got happy memories from every ground? Yeah, It's yeah, not yeah. possible. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Now, I do have sympathy with certain grounds. You fail at certain grounds like, oh, I'm never going to score runs at this ground. Something about the energy here. 100%. I suck at this ground. 100%. Okay, I, get, I get that. But it's not a. Re- I've never thought of that as a reason to be like, oh, I've got to go and write the wrongs. To-. And he says to get the best out of myself. Shut the fuck. It's just the most <laughs> fucking disingenuous. He goes, should I get the best out of myself? The next paragraph is fucking Zach Galifianakis numbers falling in front of his eyes about his conversion <laughs> rates and two two out of two. You know, we just call, I'm just calling that out. No, good. I'm glad is you that- did because I want to put it. I want to end to this style of question. <laughs> Where it's just like, here's a thing that I want people to know about yeah. and to write down for my own, so I can fucking jerk myself off, basically. And also, there's some cricket stuff in the background. Here's a here's a here's a ground that I failed at. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Objective one was tell them I had sex. Yeah. 
objective two is how do I tie it to cricket? It's like a yeah. really bad school essay. Yeah. What's this got to, it's got nothing to do with it. You're just writing what you know. You're writing something good, <laughs> felt good. <laughs> I failed you once. Uh, well done. We read it out, yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right. Aman uh, Gore, G-A-U-R, Gower Gore, apologies. Boys! <laughs> <laughs> Long-time listener, first-time writer. Following our toweling at the hands of the Indians this summer and their own humbling by the English, I've spent the last few weeks reflecting on, the pers- on a personal question that crosses the Venn diagram of your expertise, so much so that I thought it only sensible to seek your advice. First mistake. I'm a man in my early 30s who, like fellow listeners of this podcast, spent too many summers making 14-ball 60s, 20-odd, 20-odd, 16s, 20-odd, and has now retired to obsessively following cricket, anyone catch Bangladesh v West Indies first test, and occasionally heading down to watch random grade cricket, which only confirms my decision to pursue other passions. Like other fellow TGCs, I also wrestle with my relationship with my father. While he is in many respects an excellent father, like many men of his generation, he never learned how to dad, inverted commas, and is as emotionally absent as a moisture from a chepak dust bowl. However, one of dad's greatest gifts slash poisons... <laughs> was taking me out of school for the day when I was in third grade to go watch one day – that's that's third class, I guess. We're not conf- com- confusing that with the grade team. To go watch one day cricket at the Adelaide Oval in the summer of 97, 98. That's nice. This was amazing. Like any young boy, the chance to spend hours with my father and to avoid school was as joyful as watching Curtly Ambrose rip apart 90s batting orders. To be honest, I don't even remember which game he took me to. Just that since that day, cricket has always been on the podium of my life's priorities to the detriment of my career, health, and relationships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a nice line. Now, to this point, this story has probably been received ad nauseum in your inboxes, but this is where I suggest it changes nuance slightly because I'm actually of Indian heritage and moved to this country just in time to grow up with Kanga cricket in the sleepy suburbs of Adelaide. And as someone of a non-Anglo background, I have also wrestled with my relationship to Australian cricket for many reasons, not least its undeniably straight-jacketed whiteness. Mm. Nonetheless, I grew up idolising Warney and pray for Puck's continued good health these days. However, my he on his knees just praying. Um, <laughs> however, my father, an Indian man who moved here well into his thirties, has a more complicated relationship with Australia and its cricket team. So much so that he still barracks for the old country when the two spar, seemingly every second series these days. This is all a long narrative to explain that once Rishabh Pant smacked Josh Hazelwood's full bunger past a vacant mid off to seal and against the odd series victory that I still can't rationalise, I knew that I would be hearing from Dad very soon. For context, although my dad pulled me out of school to go watch cricket with him, he actually has little interest in the game having never played it himself that however doesn't stop him from following the Indian team through the lens of the jingoistic Indian media after the Adelaide test which I attended with mates he called me for an on the ground analysis of how shit the Indian played uh, Indians played when I tried to explain that the Australian bowling attack is was mythically good, he struggled to comprehend how an attack bowling at 145 clicks, seeming it off the deck and swinging in the air, could be difficult to face. Mm. Ending the conversation with a rueful, you Australians have us this time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember when I've had a more pleasant day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was rubbish. Shasha yeah. after the fourth test. Now, back to Brisbane. <laughs> As punts mus- as punt muscled that boundary, I looked nervously at my phone, awaiting my dad's call, and soon enough my phone buzzed with dad's name. I picked it up nervously and for the next 20 minutes was treated to a verbal dressing down by Indian cricket Twitter. Mm. How good was Shubman Gill? Surely better than that boy of yours with the long hair. Is Ravi Shastri the second coming of Sir Alex Ferguson and Deepak Chopra in one? <laughs> Would the Australian team ever win again? Thereafter, I spent the better part of an hour learning about, as you've put it, the Asian century. And so, after spending the last 
last few weeks reflecting on our relationship, I'd like to pose the following questions to you. One, how should I respond to my dad making me the other and forcing me into the role of the ugly Australian? Two, any tips for dealing with Indian cricket Twitter? And three, when should I call dad to ask me how Don Bess's third grade rubbish dismissed Pajara, King Coley and Rahane in the one innings? Cheers, Aman. Well, wonderfully Epic. rich question, Aman. Uh, um, now, I think that uh, Aman's father is uh, he's using cricket to to release some demons that he would have experienced by growing up in Australia in that certain era when he first came to the country in the 30s. He's got some anger pent up. And so when his team wins, the Indian cricket team wins, especially on this home soil, that's got to feel fucking good. That is. That's. He's <laughs> old. No, he, oh. he moved here in his 30s. Oh, in his not, not in the 30s. In the 30s yeah. Great Depression. Yeah. He's moved he would have watched Bradman. <laughs> He was a good stick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's got to feel good. That's like that's got to be um, to put it into some rugby league terms. Yeah, I like to do uh, state of origin stuff. Now, if I was a New South Welshman as I am, and I moved to Queensland, and then people, you know, just giving me some shit, and then New South Wales beat Queensland in Queensland, I'm fucking going to give it to some people. Of course. So that's that's a similar thing. I feel now it's obviously layered with much more complexity in terms of I, I presume some racism and some anger and uh, some general complexities like that. Um. So yeah, obviously can't speak to that. But uh, any tips with dealing with Indian cricket Twitter? Um, where's where's we're still learning. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I'm fucking. I've been off Twitter for a little while actually. Just yeah. I'm not even opening the app. And when I say a little while, I mean like 45 minutes. Yeah. Just trying to just really just just fucking stay away from it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's like a, there's there's a different side to the internet internets with like just languages and stuff because there's obviously a whole Hindi side of Twitter, YouTube, all that kind of gear which I which I'm just not fed. So I don't know what's going on over there. Um. But I mean, is anyone good on Twitter? Yeah, There's, exactly. I mean, I, fuck, I've seen some like Australian commentary on like Facebook comments underneath, like you know, articles on Facebook, and it's like, oh my god, why are you doing that? So, so there are cunts everywhere, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it's just uh, a different brand, different brand, exactly. Every country's got their cunts. Um, and I've always said that. <laughs> when should I call Dad to ask him how Don Bess's third grade rubbish dismissed Pajari? <laughs> yeah, well, like <laughs> poor old Don Bess. I mean, he was getting some, he was getting some wickets with some junk, and they took him out. And then they're like, oh, well, we should give him another go. And it was just, it was actually worse. So they kind of punished him. So that was, I think that, that last question's been answered. Um, I think Don Best might take a little spell from the, the test team for a while, unfortunately, for him. How should he respond to his dad making the other and forcing him into the role of the ugly Australian? That's, that's, that's a tough one. And mm. like, I would posit that that's, that's, you're, you're cooked on that, Aman. Like, um, because it must be so fun mocking ugly Australians. We can't say because we are like we. we nah, but I would experience that if I went to like Southeast Asia, and then you see other Australians on holiday, and you're like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, but you're you're in. Doesn't matter how not how good a bloke you are. Like once you're the ugly ugly Australian, you can't go back. There's no exceptions to that. And and I think this is the dynamic in like tribalism in sport. Like if your team loses, mm-hmm. you see it all opportunity to cast yourself in whatever role you can't say oh i'm not no i'm actually one of the good ones it's mm. like no all your australians are the same and you need to be the same mm. so that we can have our fun with mm. our win okay mm-hmm. so i think if if india's won the series and he wants and this dad wants this out for his son we're going hey, you're an ugly australian now because that's how i'm going to enjoy myself it's weird you've got to take it yeah it's weird it's <laughs> fucking weird this whole thing's weird he hates his son but he loves him oh it's just how he, i just think you just that's kind of the unwritten rule of the dynamic of like win loss um like tribalism. It's like okay. well, you just So even though Aman is Mate, Aman could be Nobel Peace son, Prize. Yeah. His dad's son and his dad chose to move to Australia to, yes. to birth his Brilliant. son 
in Australia. Brilliant. Now you're a fucking ugly Aussie. How good is that? Because he said he's an excellent father. I'm sort of liking his- Fuck, there's some levels to that. Yeah, I'm liking his dad. Uh, you know, that's just, this is, you know. His and, dad's actually got a very Australian sort of perception of it. And that's, you know. maybe that's the comeback. So that's a very Aussie thing to do. It's actually yeah. a very English thing to do Yeah, in a lot of ways. It's very Anglo, Dad. To celebrate the losses. You, but you, you, I mean, you moved us here, brother. <laughs> What's doing? You know, can What's you. What's doing? Now, I don't know. Maybe some of our fans could help us here. But, like, yeah. I'm not, obviously, don't pretend to be Indian. But can you can you go back and say, well, are you a real, are you real Indian, Dad? I mean, what's doing? Yeah. And then Dad probably says, no, actually, you know, I, I came over here to give you a better life mm. and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but yeah. what does Ravi Shastri think of you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of ideas. Yeah, a couple of ideas. Oh, well, um, that definitely didn't help anyone. But I hope this episode has helped you out there on the internet all over the world. So thank you very much as ever for tuning in, whether you're on Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, you fucking idiot, um, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to this shit. Um, cheers. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>